What do you think I should do about Sophie? You'll make the right decision. I regret sometimes I wasn't more of a free agent when I was younger. There was a woman who approached me at a party at George Plimpton's after my first book. She was very sexy. I could have gone home with her. Why didn't you? I was with your mother. Oh, right, of course. Well, you should have probably done it. It didn't stop her. Maybe you should sleep with her once. See if you like it. Doesn't mean you can't see other women, too. I don't know if Sophie will go for that. Well, after your performance tonight, things might change for you. Do you want to go to my house? I thought we could... Jesus, you really want to do it, don't you? I don't know. What's the obsession with sex? Well, it's not an obsession. I'm not so sure I want to do it either. I'm scared, too. Oh, well, scared is not the issue. It's just... Everything is so serious suddenly. We're not getting married. What are you saying? Nothing. I just don't want to feel this pressure from you. Do you like someone else? Your dad's girlfriend? No. No, why? No, and she's not his girlfriend. My father said you had a weak handshake, which is a sign of indecision. His hands are so huge, I can't get a good grip. My mother said you don't have a very good model for relationships because of your parents. What? Your mother doesn't know anything. Well, I thought it went well. You told me she said I was hilarious. Like, don't be difficult, please. Michael Govier, Travis Roy, Eric Brandstrom. If you love family ties, then you're probably not going to like this movie we're doing today. The Squid and the Whale, does it hold up? We're going to find out later on if it does indeed hold up with today's special guest. Uh, none other than Brian J. Seymour. He does his own work in many different phases. He does a fantasy baseball podcast that he co-hosts with Matt Williams called Turn 2. If you're into fantasy baseball, definitely recommend it. If you're into gambling, he knows a lot about gambling too. And of course, his newer venture, which is outstanding. It's really, really cool. It's an honest storytelling podcast. So if you're into storytelling, you're looking for people's honest, open, authentic stories to share, then check out what this means to me. It's a great podcast. I truly mean it. Welcome in, Brian. We're really glad to have you. I'm happy to be here, man. Thanks for the shout outs. Uh, almost too many projects to name. I kind of dabble in everything. But yeah, the music podcast, what this song means to me. I think that's probably 
the most uh, applicable podcast to the listener of this podcast that they'd be interested in that I'm doing. So, yeah, check it out on all podcast platforms. Basically, people tell a story about their lives uh, that was highly impactful, set to a song that uh, really changed the way they look at things. So it's cool. Candid stories. And uh, a couple of people on this podcast have actually been on it, I believe. So if you would want to check out those episodes, you certainly can do so. That is correct. Uh, why do you like movies? <laughs> why do I like movies? That's really <laughs> the eternal question. That, that's that's a tough one. Um, you know, that is an interesting question because I've had people actually say to me before in the medium of film that they don't, and especially in this day and age, which I'm sure you guys can relate to. Maybe you've had somebody say it to you, but that they can't sit through a movie anymore like they have to have something that they kind of passively watch that's more of a um you know uh mm -hmm. episodic type thing um but i still i mean i i definitely still love the medium obviously i think there's still a place for it even though you know we don't have theaters like we used to and stuff like that but the reason that i would say that i do is because you can really sink your teeth in and find out usually something about yourself. If it's a good film, you know, I usually, I think it's kind of about your intent and my intent whenever I'm watching a movie is like, even when I'm looking up for recommendations, I'm looking for something that I know is going to really, I want to be Googling and reading about the movie for like three days after I watch it. You know what I mean? I don't want to watch something that's just kind of take me for that night. I want to have something that's like a real venture that I can sink my teeth into read more about kind of just you know get into the soundtrack get into all the different things over the following days so yeah for me it's all about the intent going in and i want something that's going to change my perspective because that, that's what good art does you know, whether it is music or movies or whatever i want something that's really going to change my life in the coming days weeks whatever it may be so that's what i try to get out of them when i watch them <laughs> no small task at all <laughs> no <laughs> You asked a big question. Well, I love that comment, Brian, because some of the films that I unfortunately had to dub that they did not hold up are they simply didn't resonate with me. Like you, they, they were just uh, I didn't think about them five minutes after I just saw them. So uh, for a film to to just send you down that rabbit hole of ponderous thought, uh, it it means so much, especially right now when we have there's so many things. Uh, to get information or entertainment from, but I, I, I do, I do like um, having, you know, thoughtful, ponderous moments from film when it's uh, naturally prompted, but I just as often want to, you know, be distracted. And that, that doesn't mean I want necessarily something on while I'm fucking around with my phone. I mean, sometimes I want that, but sometimes sure I, I genuinely just want like, you know, two hours of, thinking about something that completely doesn't matter whatsoever. And that's quite nice too. How do you feel about that, Brian? Yeah. I, you know, I think there, <laughs> I, I'm the type of guy that like, I, it's maybe, maybe this is just uh, a uh, feature, not a uh, bug, but like I'm the type of guy who I, I have intent with like every moment. And I feel weird if I'm just killing time, you know what I mean? But I do do that really? sometimes. Yeah. I'll just throw something onto the background and I'm like, Same way. I'm not into this man. Like I'm not into this. I, I I'm just killing time on my phone. But yeah, typically though, I'm like, if I'm going to sit down and watch something, I want it to be, you know, again, just, I keep going back to the word intent. Like I, I just, I'm really committed to it and I find it hard 
like usually what I'll do if I end up in that mode that Travis just said, like if I put something on that I'm just kind of passively looking at, I'll end up finding like I'm already on my phone. I find an article I want to read. I pause the movie. And before I know it, the uh, the fire stick just turns off and it's not even, you know, the TV's not on anymore. So I I'm either like fully locked in or out. And I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but this has always really pissed me off, whether you're with like a significant other or a buddy or whatever. Say you're watching a movie that you mutually picked together, okay? And you're into it. It's like, hey, you know, I, my phone's down. I put it on silent. Maybe I even turned it off, God forbid. And we're like 20 minutes in, and you just see the other person kind of start looking at their phone. And like the air just leaves the room. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> I, I just want to get up and leave. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just go watch this on my own. I hate that. It's an right. ongoing problem in my personal relationship. Like, if like there's a, a powerful emotional scene going on and someone cracks a joke, especially someone that uh, is near and dear to me, it's over. Like, I'm I'm straight pissed. I'm sorry, and it's led to some volatile arguments. Uh, I'm sorry. There's no excuse. You're you talking about think baby something. here. You can think. You can think a joke. <laughs> no. But yeah, dude, that kills me, man. Like when in Philadelphia, I once heard someone crack a joke in Philadelphia when Tom Hanks as Andrew Beckett was saying his last words to his beloved Antonio Banderas. I was so fucking pissed. That's yeah. not ideal. Why would someone do that? I don't believe that. Uh, no, I believe you. It's just a really, really strange. But I respect that. I think somewhere in the middle here, me and Travis are maybe. I don't want to speak for Travis, but you can yeah. speak for me. It's fine. Yeah, we're, you guys are parents, too, so maybe you guys have a different view that we'll never understand because me and Travis are not parents. We can never know your plight. We can never know it. I can tell you this. I I, I watched a movie with someone else for the first time in fucking, I don't even know how long this week. Um, really? Yeah, I mean, I live alone, and there's a pandemic, so there hasn't been a lot of that. Um, and this person, friend of the show, Stephen Floyd Laskowski. Hi, Steve. Um is an ideal fellow movie watching companion, but um, for the most part, you know, I, yeah, I like watching movies alone. I like going to the movies alone. I like not having yeah. to deal with anyone else around me while I'm absorbing this media. You know, that's uh, uh it's, it's, you know, just shut the people out of your life. Just put a screen in front of your face and bliss. This is the Travis Roy recipe. You know, one of, one of the uh, benefits of being on a podcast with, like, two of your, like, closest friends, if you know them for, like, goddamn near 25 years, is you pretty much have a good handle on what they will like, what their tastes are, what they probably won't be into. So, like, what what are a few of, like, your all-time favorites, Brian, just so I know what we're getting into here when it comes to a monumental work like The Squid and the Whale? You know, it's funny because I think I think this film is kind of a departure of the stuff that I am typically into. I just thought it would be like super interesting for this podcast. And frankly, it's my sister and I's like it's my sister and I's movie. And maybe that makes a lot of sense because it is, you know, obviously about siblings and parents and the complications of family and stuff. But her and I, it, we almost have like an annual watch of this, like around the holidays when she comes home. Um, but as <laughs> <Really>? far, <laughs> yeah, just a nice little get together to watch the squid and the whale. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, my favorite, like my favorite movies of all time. Um, I, I think I mentioned to one of you guys anyway, taxi driver might be my favorite film of all time. Um, I'm just a huge fan of 
that specific movie, obviously I love Robert De Niro. Obviously I love Martin Scorsese and a lot of the stuff that he's done, but I grew up like a very, um, introverted, angry, uh, lonely dude with like a low self-esteem. A lot of the Travis Bickle stuff was within me. So like the writing of Paul Schrader, which has kind of led me to check out some other Paul Schrader flicks. Oh, Paul my Schrader. Matter of fact, Oh, never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that very episode. <laughs> I, I just checked out. I, I had not seen that newer movie with Ethan Hawke, the religious one. Oh, What's first, Re- first reformed. We've first heard of that. Also. Oh my god, <laughs> Brian! Dude, you don't watched... know the uh, the story. The story here. We're, we're Travis laughing. Got... <laughs> Travis bought all of us. He sent me and Eric copies of First Reform that movie as a oh. Christmas gift last year. <laughs> He sent us actual DVDs because we talked about that movie so much. We talked about Paul right. Schrader so much on this show. It just be, it's a running gag. So oh, okay. yeah, awesome. we've mentioned awesome. them. It's been it's, it's admittedly been a, a few episodes, but there was a run there, like a I don't know thirty episode run where First Reform probably got brought up every fucking episode. Dude, <laughs> it, it is so good. I, I loved it so much. Um, but yeah, like Taxi Driver, just so much of that resonated with me. But then I also have a penchant for like just kind of that really super dreamlike weird avant-garde stuff david lynch and everything that he's done um is some of my favorite stuff of all time i love twin peaks the original it's been hard for me to watch some of the newer stuff it's <laughs> i mean that those are complicated watches but like all of his movies lost highway may be my favorite maholland drive is also way up there but um i just love that <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, Lost yeah. Highway does not get enough love. Everyone talks about Mulholland Drive. No one talks about Lost Highway. Dude, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I really, really loved it. And just the the scenes that he paints. I mean, like, I am a horror movie guy. I like good horror movies. But to me, some of the moments that David Lynch has created is some of the scariest shit that I have ever seen. Like, just the way that he does it, it just creeps up on you, and it's so subtle, and it just freaks the hell out of me. So I... I I love David Lynch too. That's that's some of my favorite stuff. I would say. What is good horror? In my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, give us a, give, it, give us a couple films. I I love anything that makes me just feel uneasy and oh, unsettled, yes. and and just has a slow brooding. Yes. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not seeing the killer. There's not blood and guts. Have you guys? I'm sure you've all seen this. I love this movie, The oh. Invitation. Oh my god, yes. so fucking good. <laughs> so good. Oh, it's well, funny you mention that. That does it for me. I mean, that's just quintessential. Like that's exactly what I look for. Also, okay. creep. The original yeah. creep. Yeah. Love creep. Oh, I've I seen like that one. I could participate. Yeah, second one's not bad. Man. Yeah, like second one's not bad. Well, yeah. for me, the, uh, we're simpatico, man, because like like I can appreciate horror comedy, big evil dead two fan, but like <laughs> When it comes to horror, I want I don't really want to be entertained. I want to be like fucking straight terrified. And not a lot of people are like that. Yeah, because right. for, for me, like I get the same thing from horror that I get from Pixar. And so either one is good. Just like I just like put either one on. I'm like in this happy pacifier state. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're learning a lot about Brian Seymour. He's our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, Brian J. Seymour, of course. He's really, really a thoughtful guy, but he has a good sense of humor. He also loves Tool, so if you like Tool, you can talk with him for hours about Tool. Uh, that's like his They're go-to coming. musically. He even, he even shares way. Tool with... Yeah. You even share Tool with your own child. Sale. I love it. Tickets go on sale tomorrow morning. 
tickets for them actually going tomorrow morning. I saw them once a couple years ago at DTE. That was a, that was a pretty cool day. I was kind of like just recovering from a big opioid binge, but I still had a good time. It was great. So I heard Maynard's a real sweet guy in real life. <clears throat> I think I think yeah. these days he's pretty settled down. I mean, you know, when you get into your mid fifties and stuff like that, you know, start sort of. That's what I don't know. know. Are you mid fifties, dude? I don't think you know anything about that. <laughs> I'm I'm thirty five, but I've got to imagine. I mean, that's what they tell me. I don't know. <laughs> Nope, we're not having any of that. Okay, Anyways, right. we're going to talk more about the squid and the whale in this movie later. We're going to get deep into it. We're going to break it down. Noah Baumbach. This is our second Baumbach film that we've done on this show, which has 76 episodes, right? I think we're on 78. Oh, shit. Okay, 77 episodes. Either way, there's plenty of episodes for you guys to go back and chew on. If you want to go back and really see how we've evolved, how we got to this point, or just hear about some of the movies that we've done that you love, Take a look at the list. Go to the audio feed of your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe. Connect. Give us that five-star rating. That'd be cool. We always love that. That'd be very, very kind. All right. Let's get into quarantine viewing picks. Travis, lead us off. You are in control of the board. Um, well, the movie I watched with our friend Steve was a movie from Ireland called Boys from County Hell. Uh, decent decent vampire flick from last year. Um, there are flaws. There are some flaws, but this was some pretty quality um, horror comedy. I put it in that order. Um, yeah. De decent horror comedy. If, if you like vampires. And again, like there's, there's a couple moments where I'm like, what in the fuck? Like, this is a terrible choice. Like, like there's a, there's a few, what the fuck moments, but if you can, for, if you can be forgiving, this is worth checking out. Um, and the only other movie I watched this week was the squid and the whale. But Holy shit. I watched a lot of TV, though. Uh, uh, yeah, I got back into TV a little bit. Mike, tell us, who's your favorite actor? I really love Billy Crudup. He really is. I, oh, I thought about it hard. So, yeah, Billy Crudup's my guy. So, um, at your suggestion, I watched The Morning Show, and I watched every episode, and fucking Billy Crudup is so good. I was still kind of reeling from watching him in, the gla uh, in Glass Chin a few weeks ago, but... He just fucking owns this show. Is he's so amazing? I mean, everybody in it is good. I mean, of course, Jennifer Aniston. Of course, Reese Witherspoon's good. Uh, Gugu Mbatha Ra is outstanding. I thought she was good in Loki, but she's really good in the the morning show. But fucking Billy Crudup, man! Oh, he's so awesome. Of course, Mark Duplass. Um, just really, really good stuff. I love watching like the sides being taken and all of this like back and forth and like alliance building and destroying and just really fascinating. Um, I really like the morning show. Has this okay? Yay! So did you do the? Uh, I know you're you're watching Ted Lasso, but did you pull the trigger on Apple, like the subscription because of these two huge shows that are critically applauded? Yeah, I've had it for a, a little while, and okay. uh, uh, because I love Ted Lasso, I've capped it, and then I uh, started watching the morning show and and blurred right the fuck through them. I, I watched them all in like two days. It was stupid. Damn. So did uh, I. That is so interesting. So <laughs> clearly, that's two people who know a thing or two about entertainment who like the show. So it's got to have something to it that's interesting. Utterly absorbing. Yeah, really, yeah, really. I good. just and blew of course, through it too. I didn't mention Steve Carell. Also, like, really nice to see him in a role like this. And and the movie, like, the show is so current. Like, it, it reminds me a lot of Newsroom for like a lot of obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, speaking of Jeff Daniels, but um, yeah, like just really handles like current events or fairly because it's like a year behind us in real life you know um but uh it's just 
really handles in a way that I like, I don't like, you know, I, I don't want to see coronavirus stuff, but like it's starting to get into that in the new season. And it's like, okay, I think I finally found the medium where I'm like the, the show or like, you know, cause like ordinarily it's like, Oh God, why? just pretend it doesn't exist. Um, but they're not doing that in the show. They're doing, and they're doing a good job with how they're approaching it so far. So yes. Travis, come on now. Yes. You, you I watched it, right? I watched Midnight Mass. Yeah, I watched Bring it. <laughs> I watched right. Midnight Mass. I'm ready for some fucking praise. Well, it's coming because I fucking loved it. I think oh. that Mike, I think Mike Flanagan is the modern master of horror. I don't. Oh. I don't think that. I mean, I mean, I like Ari Aster. I like a lot of other oh. people. I mean, I like James Wan. There's some good people, but fucking in terms of con- in terms of well, I think they're good, but I think in in terms of consistency quality of work and giving me horror but also making me like in this case like there's a lot of existential stuff going on here some deeply emotional stuff um just really powerful good good filmmaking in midnight mass a little heavy on the soliloquies maybe back up on that a little bit yeah um but i I, you know i've liked um hamish linklater since that tv show he did with robin williams the crazy ones and That's it was kind of like, was telling me like yeah. I, I'm like where the fuck is who is this guy? He was on Newsroom too. Speaking of, but um, also in the Big Short, yeah. So he's popped up here and there, and I really liked him on Legion. Um, that that, that particularly got my attention. But I, so I've always kind of liked him. But like, he fucking kills it in this show. It's incredible work. If you just like acting, you'll you'll. I think Hamish. I think we're gonna see a lot more from Hamish Link later coming forward. Uh, have you really been like watching it. it, Brian? You're a horror fan. Mike, I know you have no interest. I have not. No. No, I have not. I have not yeah, dabbled. It's, it's real, it. real solid. Um, Loved I don't, it so I, much. I don't want to get into any spoilers, but I think that there's some innovative takes here. And uh, it's uh, just, again, just really, really fine filmmaking. I mean, just the guy just really knows what he's fucking doing. Nice. Midnight Mass. Okay. Well, Midnight hey. Mass. And that's it. Cool. That's what I watched. That's what I watched. Yay! I'm so glad you like the morning show. That makes me happy. I don't know why, but it does. <laughs> All right, Eric, Bran- <laughs> Eric Bransham, you have control of the board now. What'd you watch? Oh, dude. Uh, I- I'm sorry, but I'm back into... Uh, I watched a couple movies, but I'm back into Unsolved Mysteries, man. I cannot stop <laughs> watching. I can't. <laughs> Mysteries with Robert Stack. I can't get enough. And uh, I-, I-, I may need some help. This, this could be worse <laughs> than the pro wrestling documentary plague that scourged me over the course of the summer of 2021 every those day are good, I though, man those were good i love pro wrestling documentaries are fantastic it's so in the dark side of the ring just started season three again so i'm back into it i i i, I can't get enough of them but uh, aside from that i took uh our good friend of the show chud pud sorry i took a good friend of the show chud pud on a recommendation and I am fucking so glad that I did. From 2018, Blind Spotting. Have you guys seen this movie? Not yet. I, he did suggest it. It was good. Oh my god! It, it's it's fucking fantastic, man. So like, be careful if you're if you're trying to rent it. Be very very careful because I accidentally rented The Blind Side. <laughs> it was blind spotting, and that's one of the worst uh, movies I've ever seen in my life. That movie is but terrible. Yeah, that movie. Is- she, yeah, I don't know why she yeah. won the Academy. That was the ultimate example oh, of somebody being advertised and pushed and promoted to yeah, win yeah, it from the studio. Hell, one hundred and one. But yeah. uh, dude, 
Yeah, I'm still. I'm. I'm. I was on the phone with Comcast for over two hours trying to uh, <laughs> get that five dollar uh, rental fee off my account because of that, because of that mishap. Time will spend. Uh, dude, uh, props to uh, um, what was that guy's name? Yanush from Comcast because he fucking hated the blind side too. But anyway, <laughs> blind spot. Blind spotting is one of the best movies of the 2010s. Easiestly, I, I encourage you guys. Wow. So fundamentally to watch this movie, man. We got, uh, we've got uh, David Diggs from you know Hamilton. Mm -hmm, he's this, great. This guy is incredible. He wrote it along with his buddy Raphael Cassel. It's kind of it kind of reminded me of a like it kind of reminded me of Swingers, but without all the bullshit because we've got two friends that are dealing with you know just life how it is, and in this case, it's in uh, Northern California uh in 2018 and for a for a black man and a latinx gentleman it, it it it's just confusing man and there's a there's a little bit of fuckery going on and it's a little maybe too playful you know like that early spike lee stuff where it was just a little too playful uh there's a little not, not all the blanchard but I'm telling you, man, it's so magnetically directed by Carlos Lopez Estrada. We got Ethan Emery. Wayne Knight pops in, and he's fucking good in the picture. It, it, it's fucking fantastic commentary on life for young uh, minority groups in the 21st century, man. I, I cannot praise it highly enough. Loved it. Uh, and other than that, man, <laughs> that's it. It's blind spotting and unsolved mysteries, man. Last night, we had a dude that... Uh, he went missing with amnesia. Still haven't <laughs> found the motherfucker. No, that's not funny. I took that. I took that little <laughs> laugh back. Yep. Yeah, I, I, that must have hit close to home, Travis. I'm sorry. So. <laughs> I don't have amnesia, but there it is. You don't. So have that's amnesia. not trained. It's true. It was so blind spotting was not like train spotting. It was not. Uh, it's really hard not to think of train spotting when you hear blind spotting. It's almost hell without, hell without yeah. the heroin. Like, don't think of an elephant. Don't think of an elephant. Don't think of an elephant. Oh, shit. Shit. <laughs> shit. Okay, thanks. Uh, yeah, well, I'll probably never watch it, but thank you. I'd love and appreciate Mike, respect. I was of you, you can fast forward it. The entire time I was watching it, you would love this movie. Why did wow. you so dryly okay. say you would never watch it? Why did you just. Uh, I assumed it was a horror movie. Is that what he said? He didn't no. say anything like that. I just kind of inferred that. He didn't listen at all. <laughs> it's about a couple of dudes hanging out. It's literally about oh, two I'll friends never hanging watch out. It. I actually really was paying attention. I just missed it entirely. I wasn't like distracted. Maybe, in, at all, maybe so. what I said, it's kind of like swingers. You thought it was kind of like scanners. <laughs> <laughs> I love swingers. I heard you say that. So that is actually interesting. All right. Okay. I I take it back. Usually, Brian, if they're talking horror, I don't like horror. I don't give a shit you about just horror. Tune out. So that's. But yeah, yeah that's... we were nowhere near horror on that one. <laughs> yeah, I realize that now. You uh, we, did bring up, yeah. we did bring up Blindside for a minute, so it's yeah. horrific. That, 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 that could be considered horror. Way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> by the way, no, just Sandra Bullock's a fine actress. She just didn't deserve the Academy Award for that performance. That's yeah, all, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I think everyone feels sure. the same as you. Okay, I just want to clarify that. Universal all right, opinion. Uh, as far as me, uh, yeah, man, I've been watching movies like a fiend, and I forgot a couple last week that oh, I wanted sure. to cut to talk about and i want to give respect to brian madison who's been a guest on the show you can go back and listen to that episode which was devil in a blue dress from 1995 brian's guest spot he asked me if i'd ever seen defending your life 
Albert Brooks film from 1991, and I had never seen Defending Your Life. Yeah, so I I absorbed that, and I loved it. It was was, uh, certainly a heavenly and ethereal and kind of out of this world (laughs) for sure, but a real great foundational premise that keeps this movie in the conversation for movies probably for decades to come because it's about fear, like humans living in fear and decisions that we make and the way we react and stuff. I I found it to be really like it hit me like close to home. Like, well, yeah, this is, this really is like the crux of life sometimes. So it's also funny. Rip Torn's in it too. That's fun. And uh, And Meryl Meryl Streep was in it. I was like, oh my God, Meryl Streep's in this. I was not expecting that. So I'd strongly recommend defending your life. Albert Brooks, even if you don't like Albert Brooks, give it a shot. Uh, It's a little bit funny, but it's also introspective, philosophical. It's got some, a lot of things going on in it. So Brian, I want to thank you thinking of that film it really is a cult uh, classic like it's it's it, it not, everyone, not everyone's seen it but I, I agree it's like a it's it kind of resonates in film culture and there's a reason for it okay i uh, see i oh, didn't quite know brooks. that can't go wrong you've never gone wrong with that in albert brooks film period well people would disagree because i watched real life which was a total bomb at the box office <laughs> oh shit <laughs> uh, well, fuck charles the box Broden. office fuck the box office is the film good I mean, Citizen okay. Kane bombed at the box office, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. That's true. That's true. Uh, real life is okay. It's a, it's it's very very like forward thinking. It's about you know doing a reality show in 1979 before reality TV was ever a thing. So it, it's okay though. It's got its moments, but it's kind of drab. I I didn't think it was that great. But I watched Modern Romance, another Albert Brooks film in 1981, mm. and I really liked that. This was a great tale about jealousy and the crazy shit that your mind will do when you're into somebody you break up with them but then oh no i don't have them now now i gotta have them back it's just so well done this is a great movie modern romance by albert brooks i'd love for everybody who's not seen it to check it out because you're probably gonna it's very likely you'll at least relate to a couple of things even if you think you've had the perfect relationship you might be surprised uh, and I, I watched Rush, 1991's Rush with Jason Patrick. Dude, I was just talking about that a few months ago. What'd you think, bro? This is Jason Patrick and Jennifer Jason Lee, 1991. Yeah, right. And, and Gle- it's got- Greg Allman. <laughs> yes, Greg Allman of the Allman Brothers <laughs> yep. plays Greg the Allman. bad guy. He says yep. like five words, he, but he's yep. in a lot of scenes, but he says five yeah. words. A lot of him walking around in a leather jacket with long hair with a very wow. serious face. Like, what else do you need? Yeah, some people have made an entire film career of that. That's true, they have. And also, the soundtrack is completely done, or the score is done by Eric Clapton. So it is very lethal weapony with the <laughs> tons of that, which made me laugh a few times. But it's a very serious movie because Sam like Elliott's in it too. It's a great movie. It's a like really it. good yeah. undercover cops drug movie yeah. that I had never seen, and I'm really glad I saw it. Yeah. Rush, 1991, Rush. Jason Patrick. Jennifer Jason Lee, Sam Elliott. Really good. I'd strongly recommend that. All right. Then I uh, blah, 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 blah. I watched both the movies about <laughs> Steve Prefontaine. So there's two what? movies that came out in 1997 to 98 yeah. about the, the track runner, Steve Prefontaine. Yeah. He was a very famous track runner. There's not a lot of famous long-distance runners. We've had a lot of, like, short sprinters that we know about at the oh, Olympics. But, yeah, this guy was on the cover of SI in, like, 1970 and – he died young, so uh, there was two movies, and apparently there was a rift 
between the writers of the original <laughs> movie. So they ended up making two because they got pissed at each other. So Tom Cruise was Tom Cruise was going to play Steve Prefontaine, but he was already like 35 or something by that point. So he produced the movie that Billy Crudup starred in yep. without limits. So Billy Crudup was the second movie. Jared Leto was the yes. first movie. And I like so them bizarre. both. I really I really do. The first movie's more indie, kind of raw. I I like the feel of it. They kind of they try to tell it as like a documentary, but it's not cuz they're all actors. And then the second one is much more sweeping with Billy Crudup and like a, a bigger money soundtrack and Warner Brothers produced it, so it's got a lot more money behind it, but uh Donald Sutherland does a better job of playing Bill Bowerman, who is this legendary coach who also <laughs> co-founded Nike, the Nike shoe company. So Donald Sutherland did a better job in Without Limits than R. Lee Ermy did as Bill Bowerman in the indie one. Army, so, Army. Army, Army. Army, Army, Army. I love yes. how in the 90s we had two Volcano movies with Duncan That's the same Steve time frame, too. Two Armageddon, uh, two uh, asteroid movies with Armageddon Deep Impact and two brief fun. Yeah, ants life, bugs, and uh, or yeah, ants, oh, yes. ants and bugs yeah. life. Right? Yep, yep. This is all so the dumb. late '90s too. What the hell is going on? Very strange. Uh, but they're studio both good. Poaching. I, studio poaching. Studio, studio oh, poaching. I watch a really dumb movie called The Comeback Trail with Robert De Niro and Zach Braff with Tommy Lee Jones. This came out this year, 2021. Oh, the Comeback hmm. Trail. It's about. Yeah, Robert De Niro's an old ass producer, and Morgan Freeman's in it too, and he's trying to like scam Emil Hirsch. Uh, it's okay. It's it's really really kind of a black comedy, a dark comedy, a cynical movie. Uh, I don't know if I'd recommend it, but you know it was okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, I mean, I loved it. I loved De Niro and the comedian. That was a great black comedy. So maybe he's got some stuff in there. You still haven't seen that, have you? You're you're gonna love it when you finally watch it. The comedian. Yeah, it's fucking when awesome. Did that come out? Uh, I think 2017 or something like that. I haven't, okay, I haven't I seen that out. either, and I, I'm intrigued. It's real good. Isn't that an Art Linson movie? I, I heard a lot of talk about that. It is I jet black, saw. black comedy, like very dark. Okay. But uh, it's good. It's funny. All right, that's cool. Oh, yeah, I, I I should watch that. I, I should get on that. I don't know what's wrong with me or why I'm not doing that. Have I failed someone <laughs> in any way? I'm apologizing oh, right now. Mike, that's Taylor Hackford. You, you got to get there immediately. You're yeah, it was Taylor Hackford. Oh, shit. Taylor Hackford. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, we're checking out. Uh, I watched a terrible Albert Brooks movie, The In-Laws with Michael Douglas, which was came uh, out right yeah, after yeah, Meet the right. Parents. Unnecessary awesome. remake. Yeah. Which yeah, really so bad. Yeah, so bad. Good. Ryan Reynolds is in it, too. You're like, oh, wow. Oh, this is, oh, it's fuck. It's horrid. It came out in 2003. I would not recommend the in-laws at all. I watched The Muse in 1999 with Sharon Stone and Albert not Brooks. Good. Not good either, but it was okay. I, I wasn't as bad as the overall reception and kind of the reputation of The Muse is. It was, it was kind of funny to see all these huge directors coming in and like begging her for advice, like Martin Scorsese and James Cameron. It was that was funny. So it had some moments. I will give it that. And I'll close with man. The right. movie that blew me away. The movie it? that brought yeah. What was the movie that you got me to tears? This man was in tears. I was just a couple hours ago. Fucking pig, man. Pig, oh, got pig. Me good. Yes. Yes. No it's so powerful. It's not so what you expect either, Brian. guys. Have you checked it out. I am. I am googling as we speak. Actually, wow. Oh, this is uh, this is one of the latest Nicholas Cage ventures. Pig. Yeah. I see that. I see that. Yeah. I'm, I'm so totally recommend it. Still my favorite. So far, it's my favorite movie. Comedian. 
Uh, yeah, Pig is my favorite of the year so far. Yeah, it doesn't get much better for 2021. Jesus, God, it's so good. I uh, It'd be hard for me. I'd have to double check, but I think so far, I, you guys are probably right. I, I strongly recommend this movie, Brian, and anybody else hearing this or watching this, check out Pig if you haven't watched it. I, I thought maybe it was... <laughs> I just had some weird thoughts in my head of what it might be. Nick Cage. It's understandable. He's done it to himself. As much as I love him, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, plus that's it's called true. Pig. I mean, let's... And plus it it's called Pig. Yeah. There was, a hashtag, there was a hashtag for it that was like, yeah. bring me back my pig or yeah. some shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the expectations, I mean, Jesus, pig. Yeah, but, you know, Adam Markin was in this, too. It was really good. It was oh, a lot of great performances from all God. kinds of people. So What's I'm strongly name? recommending Pig. What's the kid's name? Alex... Uh, Alex Wolf. Alex, Alex Wolf. He's 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 one to watch, man. He's really good in this too. He was phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very hereditary. Very wild movie. Yeah. So good yeah. though. So good. There it is. Pig. All right. That's mine. Uh hey. Brian, have you uh, any recommendations for us for the audience? They don't yeah, have to be got? necessarily ones you've watched recently, but any this is your chance to recommend movies to people. Let me let me give you this. So I've I've mainly just been watching a couple documentaries and TV series lately, which I'll name one in a moment because it's it is new. But a movie Ooh. that I will highly recommend that I'll bet I'm gonna bet that at least sixty seven percent of this <laughs> panel has seen. Uh, it just came out a couple of years ago. Um, I'm thinking of ending things. Oh yeah. boy! Yeah. Oh boy! Yeah. I hated yeah. it so much. You hated it. <laughs> Absolutely loathed it, oh, and I really like I really like Charlie Kaufman, and I fucking hated it so much. We all I, love Charlie Kaufman here. When let me ask you this: I, I really want to oh, ask boy. you this because I, oh, I, boy, I mean I, I I love like, this movie. Or Eric, you liked it, right? You loved it. I appreciated it, but I was like, "Fuck you!" Oh, okay. <laughs> let me let me ask you: when when was it like bullshit? When did it go downhill for you, or did you were you not into it from the beginning? Yeah, uh, after like I'm, I'm willing to hear someone out, especially a filmmaker. So it's probably after like 40 minutes, I was like, "So this is what we're doing." Fuck yeah. you, this is pretentious horse shit. That's about the same okay. for me. Like, it I is did, pretentious. I, I think, yeah. Oh, it's so like Schenectady, New York, is literally one of my favorite movies. I think it's so I powerful. Your, I don't mean no shit on your pick, though. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we no, did. No, no, I, I, he can handle I, it. He'll be fine. No, I think like. I more hit that wall maybe two thirds of the way into the movie. Oh, so you did like, hit it, that wall? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it didn't get to the point that I didn't like it anymore, but I was like, dude, this is getting. Um, I think it was like the dance scene in the high school and stuff. Yeah. I was like, this is getting. <laughs> this has gone very far. Um, but I am a fan of uh, man. I can't think of his name in real life, but Todd. Todd from oh, Matt. I love Jesse oh, Plemons. Oh, yeah, yeah, incredible. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Jesse Clemens. Yeah, he, yeah, he is great. I love the fuck. What's her name? She was fucking fantastic. She was in the really film. good. Can't wait to see more. I just think at a certain point, who are you trying to entertain, me or or yourself? Yourself. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I uh, get by it. the way, uh, thinking of anything's came out last year. Just to update that, it was twenty twenty yeah. release. I knew and, it was pretty. Uh, Jesse Buckley is her name, I believe. Jesse Buckley. Yeah, she was fucking great. I liked her. Yeah. I agree. It gave me, you know what it gave me super into being a David Lynch fan. It, it really took a lot of stuff from Eraserhead, like big time. Like it made me think of the Eraserhead dinner scene, um, just with the chickens and all that shit. <laughs> like when they're all having dinner together, I was like, yeah, this is very Eraserhead right now. It just gave me those vibes a lot. So uh, I think that's why I appreciated that part anyway. But more recently, I'm glad you like um, it. 
much. Yeah. More recently, um, HBO six part documentary. Um, and my God, I can't remember the actual name of it, but it's about <laughs> QAnon. And, oh. uh, it, yeah. What do, do you, you guys know what it's called? I forget what it's called. Um, no, I've seen ads and stuff for it. It looked good. I just um, don't know that I want to put myself through it. <laughs> well, I, you know, I kind of felt that too. And it's not really as much. I went in thinking that it was going to be like a whole, um, you know, what, you know, a bunch of Q people. And there's definitely some of that, but it's actually way, way more about 4chan and how mm -hmm. the whole thing got started. Um, you know, who Into runs the storm? 4chan? That's it. Yes. Um, it's way more about like, anonymity and message boards and how the whole weird thing got started from the get-go so it's not so much about like you know queuing on people it's more so the how it began who q is and stuff like that it drags at some points so i'll give you that but i was entertained i mean and i think by the end you may have an idea who q actually is um wow but yeah yeah it was an interesting watch yeah yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about it. I just never, I never bothered to settle into it. I guess part of me is like, I don't give a shit, but uh, I don't know. I guess there is, I'm yeah. certainly, I would probably like it if I watched the whole thing. I probably would because I'd absorb that the, stuff. I think the appeal that Eric kind of has like uh, maybe towards like the pro wrestling documentaries, which I mean, I, I certainly respect what pro wrestlers do, but there's something about that whole dynamic and like the showmanship and the behind the scenes of pro wrestling that it's addictive to watch those documentaries. And I had that same kind of feeling about watching the Q documentary because I just wanted to see like, <laughs> what is this about? Like, you know, and it was a world that I, I knew nothing about. Um, yeah, it was it was intriguing. Like I said, drags a little bit, but I would check it out. Yeah. Anything else? That's what I got. No, that's that's what I got for you. All, All right, right, cool. Thanks, brother. Yeah, thanks, man. There it is. You're connecting with the Cinema Nine podcast. Those were some of our recommendations. We got no emails this week, so we can skip past the Proton Mail, which is Cinema Nine Pod at Proton Mail. Please email us if you want to, although you don't have to. There's no no requirements for any types of participation here. <laughs> Having said that, it's time to get into it. Brian Seymour's main selection, Does It Hold Up? The 2005 film that put Noah Baumbach probably on the map. I know Kicking and no. Screaming exists, but this is the one that really gave him Absolutely. a lot of credibility. credibility. Longevity even, right? Like he, yes. he, He's kind of been forgotten. This, this established him. Agreed. Okay, cool. So we're on the same page for 2005's The Squid and the Whale, starring Jeff Daniels, oh Laura Linney, Jesse Eisenberg, and the other guy. So, uh, of course, uh, I don't know the kid's Are you name. Are Billy Baldwin? Frank. No, no, Frank. no. <laughs> Frank yeah, just is Frank. Uh, Owen Klein. Owen Klein? Oh, okay. I was going to call yep, him the... Great. Kevin Owen Klein. Klein. Acting loyalty. Yeah. Yeah, oh, really? Klein. Kevin Klein and um, shit. What's Phoebe her name? Phoebe Cates? Phoebe uh, yeah, Cates. Phoebe Cates. Yeah. I did not know that was his son. Okay, see, shit. Yeah. So I should have known that. Thanks, guys. Want to play ping pong? I'm going to lie down. One game. Fuck shit. 19-7. Have you given more thought to what you're interested in? Come on. You have to try. It's no fun for me if you don't try. I want to be a tennis pro like Ivan. Oh, come on. You don't want to be a tennis pro. Why not? It's not serious. I mean, McEnroe. Borg is an artist. It's like dance. Connors has a brutish brilliance, but at Ivan's level, Ivan is fine, but he's not a serious guy. He's a Philistine. What's a Philistine? It's a guy who doesn't care about books or interesting films and things. Your mother's brother, Ned, is also a Philistine. Then I'm a Philistine. No, you're interested in books and things. 
You liked The Wild Child when we saw it. Lots of people like that movie. No, I'm a Philistine. Uh, I just call him the Jizzlinger, but that's just me. So I call him Little Mark uh, Duplass. As most do to this day. Either way, guys, e- come on. Either way, don't be difficult, please. Let's just keep oh, this okay. simple. No Philistines. Oh, okay. You're way off base, Mike. You're way off base. Don't be difficult, Michael. Don't be yeah. difficult, Mike. This sh- <laughs> we are not a show of Philistines. We are definitely into this type of stuff. So let's take it from the top. Let's go over to Travis Roy to lead us off. Uh, Travis, do you remember the first time you saw this movie, The Squid and the Whale? I actually do for once. I actually do remember the this viewing experience. It was dull. Um, I remember <laughs> that uh, I, I I rented it when it was new. Um, I had seen a preview. I, I didn't. I, I actually still have never seen Kicking and Screaming, so I really wasn't familiar with uh, Noah Baumbach. Yeah, I'm fine. Anyways, um, it's not bad. <laughs> it's on the list. Like I've I've seen a lot of movies. I promise. But I haven't gotten around to that one. Anyways, so um, this was this was a, actually my first bomb back experience, and uh, and I was really impressed. I remember like I watched it and immediately bought a used copy of it that I saw that was like a good price. You know, it was like not too expensive. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I want on the shelf. I'm gonna watch this over and over again. And then I watched it. I think once more, and then on the <laughs> shelf it stayed. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> what about you, Eric? Yeah, dude, I was uh, I, I I was pumped. I saw this in theaters in November of 2005. This is wow. a month after I first moved into my first apartment as like a I was a late bloomer, but uh, as a like a single dude that had his own apartment. I'm like, I'm going to the fucking State Theater in Ann Arbor where they're showing this, and I'm gonna watch this film. And this is a fucking art film, and I don't give a shit what anybody says. I'm going to love it. Even if I end up secretly hating it, I'm just going to tell people I love it. It's one of those movies. <laughs> Remember when you were 25 and you were like, hey, if you go to the theater see an art movie, you're just going to say you like it. So I went there, and I, I, did that. Out. I walked out, and I'm like, yeah, this fucking movie was awesome. Then I went to my karaoke gig at Whitmore Lanes. Whitmore Lanes. Classic. Those were the days. Those were the Man. fucking days. Pictures of shitty beer and never-ending Sunset YouTube week. songs. Yeah, a lot Constant of sunset YouTube, weed, a lot of Charlie Pride. A lot of sunset weight, a lot of Charlie Pride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I definitely saw this on DVD. I did not see it in the theater, but when I did see it, it was like, boom! It was a revelation. I was like, oh my God, this movie is incredible. I relate to so much of it. Uh, you know, divorced couple. And it was also very funny, though. It was really, really funny to me. I thought the dialogue was so snappy, and it instantly... Gave me like I gotta keep in touch with Noah Baumbach. I gotta know what this guy's doing at all times. You know, gotta Wes Anderson also. Time. <laughs> you really, and you stay true to that. You know what he's doing at all times. I do. Yes, I could get him on the horn right now if we absolutely had to. I don't want to, but uh, and Wes yeah, Anderson produces too. So that was also like, oh, Wes Anderson's in supporting of this. And then I learned about their friendship and connection later. And I think some weird shit happened between him and his yeah. ex-wife Jennifer Jason yeah. Lee. And yeah. people talk about Marriage Story, by the way, but like this movie was is much better than Marriage Story, and I don't, oh. or at least should be in the same conversation. Like, oh my god, Marriage Story. Like, did you ever see Squid in the Whale when it was all the rage on Twitter and shit a couple years ago? I was a little bothered and offended by that because this movie was about divorce and done just as well. But I'll leave it at that for now. Uh, Brian, what about you, buddy? You remember the first time you ever saw this film? So it's it's really weird, actually, because the, the way that I kind of got it into this movie over time is when my sister and I were young. This is very like my sister and I have a lot of memories about this movie. But like when we were young <laughs> on one of the um, like 
very high like upper uh you know pay-per-view channels or something like that like we on our <laughs> the, the cable that we had in my town this movie sure. was on like all the time on one of the stars networks i think it was always on like all hours of the day on one of the different stars channels and we would always see it on or it would be on in the background or something like that and i would just catch different parts of it so like over time i would have seen the whole movie kind of patchwork together but as a kid and not really paying that much attention to it or as a teenager or whatever i might have been i don't even know at the time um it was kind of like uh no i guess i would have been older than that that's weird but yeah i, I kind of thought to myself like um i i had this impression that like because this is on all the time it it most likely sucks. You know, that's just kind of what I figure because, you know, usually it's like, uh, independence stays on again, or I don't know, like, like a network just airing the same movie over and over and over again. So it gives you the impression that it's like, this must be garbage. Like, I don't know why they have access to this movie all the time. So that, that's just what I thought. And then as I got older, I actually watched it the whole way through. And I was like, wow, this is not at all what I thought. And when I think back, you know, one beautiful thing I think about this movie that is maybe a basic thing to say is it is such, such a short watch. I mean, it is literally only 80 minutes, which, yeah. is, and, and again, I know it's about 16 years minutes. old. Yes, you don't get that anymore. If anything, you're only bitching about a movie being way too long nowadays. Thank That's really you, Brian. Thank you. God yeah. bless you. All right. Yeah, so it's like, um, so yeah, then I finally saw it. I'm like, I had no idea this was what it was. And then again, my sister and I just started to watch it almost annually after that and just pick up on Mike. Like you said, it's fucking hilarious. Like it's depressing as hell. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I when I watched it again last night, just absolute palpable depression. Like I actually was getting depressed and like the kind of depressed where like you get this from the characters. It's almost like the kind of depressed where it's like, I don't even know if there's going to be a tomorrow. You just have this like hanger on vibe that Woo. they create, you know, like just, just, <laughs> just, just these, just these like uh, moments where, and I know we'll get into this. I don't want to go be too long winded, but just like right away when the movie starts, uh, Jeff Daniels is playing tennis with Laura Lenny and he just, he hits like a backhand way too unfairly hard at her. And you can tell she's offended. And then it's just, he's being competitive and it kind of just fizzles out and you're like, Oh Jesus, dude, like this is going to be tough, you know? Um, but again, there's, there's so many hilarious moments because they're such assholes too. And it's so genuine. So <laughs> Ryan, yeah. yeah, man. Gotta, yeah. I got to interject because like that, the opening, like, like I've taken a couple of screenwriting classes and what they always say is to make, at least your first image, if not your whole scene, indicative of what's to come. And I fucking love this first scene because we literally, <laughs> we literally have four people in four different quadrants that are competing yeah. against one another, man. That's fantastic. So you talk about a lack of unity in a family relationship. This says it all, bro. They're not just competing against each other. The father is teaching the son how to how to hit the mother in her weak spots. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well said. Well said. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. We'll talk more about that. You're right. But of course, we got to guess the IMDb score. Uh, did anyone look at it or? No. I didn't either. I so let's know. go for it, guys. What do we got? Oh, shit. I mean, I can imagine this is like a critical, like, New York hoity toity darling. <laughs> but what, what, what do like regular people think? I'm going to, I'm going to go somewhere in the middle. I'm going to say six, eight. That's I was thinking six seven. 
I'm very close to that. I was I was going to say seven two. Yeah, right. I'm with you, Brian. I think the just over seven. Uh, like I was going to say a seven three. Hmm. Actual retail price is seven three. Oh my god! Wow, I'm so in touch with this movie. I'm in touch with this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you already had the tab up. Okay. Look at you. Oh, how <laughs> yeah. dare you! I take great yeah. offense to that. This is I the norm. Great, great yeah. offense to that. I would he, never he ever guesses it all the time. I love guessing. <laughs> uh, the squid and the whale on Rotten Tomatoes. Just like Eric hinted at, ninety-two percent from the critics. That's a yeah, very yeah. very high. That's elite. I knew like New York elite critics are like, oh yeah, this is this was my childhood <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because probably. they they all are basically Jeff Daniels' character. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Probably, uh, but then the audience a little bit behind, but not too far. Eighty-one percent. That's still pretty good. So, yeah. it's not like they were like, "God, this is a nightmare." But I'm sure someone's going to have something negative to say about this film, and we will discuss that. As far as the critical reviews back in 2005, boy, there's a lot of them. We've got several pages. I'm sure everybody, like you guys, were hinting at wanted to chime in on their opinion of this. Oh my God, I could relate to this movie just like me. And I'm saying that. So uh, I'm sure there's other people like me out there. So, uh, But as far as Roger Ebert said, The Squid and the Whale is essentially about how we grow up by absorbing what is useful in our parents and forgiving what is not. Huh. Okay. okay. I don't know if there's a lot of forgiveness here. Uh-huh. I don't know. But, uh I think you Otherwise, get some resolution by the end. I think there's a little bit by the end, but yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. Our main man, Dessen Thompson. Yes. Dessen. We love Dessen Thompson. Broken yes. home, Dessen? We might find out. Yeah, who knows? Uh, Brian, if you're not familiar <laughs> with Dessen Thompson, you should really look very, into him. He's I know a, the answer to that. Very special critic. Okay. Uh, Dessen says, the movie feels like it was written in the filmmaker's own sweat and tears. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's accurate. The movie's been the movie's been called uh, semi-autobiographical, maybe to a fault. All I know is that if I'm no Bombax's younger brother, I'm fucking pissed. (laughs) Smearing semen all over the fucking place like a maniac, putting it up on film. Whether you did it or not, everyone's gonna look at you side eyes for the rest of your life and be like, "Were were you were you smearing cum all over library books as a child?" And you're like, "No." You, you have it's to like true. tell them that it's just like Jeff Daniels things... says, a lot of kids do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> a, lot of, a, a lot of kids, myself included, they do weird things when they're confused about. Nope, you're breaking up I, there, buddy. But I, I'm sorry, but I love that part of the film. All the stuff with uh, the younger brother, I love it. And the reason I love it, and I had to think about this, is because. It's not played for laughs. It would be so easy to do all the stuff that uh, the younger brother does. I Forgive me. I forget his name. I know Walt. Frank. 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 The stuff that Frank does. Frank Noah Baumbach doesn't try to make it funny. It'd be very easy to make it funny. But it's very truthful. And and I, I love that about the film. It reminds me a lot about uh, what Truffaut did with uh, the Antoine Duenuel trilogy in the 60s. How many cum shots were in that movie? Because yeah. by yeah. my count, this is about three more cum shots per in this movie than the average film. That's true. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> non-porno, non-porno. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, barring yeah. the films of Wicked Studios. <laughs> uh, Carrie Ricky says, 
from the Philadelphia Inquirer. As one who survived the epic clash of estranged parents, Baumbach has not only lived to tell the tale, but has grown up with sufficient empathy to retell it with great flourish and from the perspectives of the warriors and their collateral damage. The warriors? Yeah, these people are in a divorce's war. She's making Uh, that reference. Yeah, she's doing that. Like, come out and play? What's going on? All right. Yeah, I don't know if if you're down with that or not, but uh, overall... You're down with the sickness? Yeah. Sure. Either way, all of these, uh, it's just a ton of red tomatoes. Very positive. You know, Lisa Schwartzbaum from Entertainment Weekly. Baumbach lets no one off the hook, least of all himself. Mm. I'd like to throw out my friend Matthias Fueling's um, letterbox one-sentence review for this film, which was, Brooklyn must be destroyed. I thought that was pretty good review. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that too. (laughs) All right. So, yeah. So, here we are now. The floor is open. We can take this in any direction you want. Brian, you picked this movie. So, what would you like to talk about? What's on your. What do you really. Yeah. (laughs) I can feel it. Um, So, here's here's what I'll say. This, This was my overall theme. And this is very personal too. But from watching this last night, now again, I've seen this a number of times already. Um, I watched it to kind of refresh myself again last night. I noticed, though, and I didn't realize this because why would I? But I noticed as I was watching it that um, an important event in my life happened since the last time I've watched this, which made me see it in an even like stronger light. And that is that I uh, voluntarily ended the relationship with the mother of my son since the last time I watched this. Uh, Mm. My son is only two. He'll be three very soon. So it's nowhere near... um, you know, the kind of the kind of feelings and the things you're going to deal with, obviously, in this movie with two like, you know, teenagers, boys. But um, it hit me in a inexplicably. I you can't I just can't even like put it into words the way that it made me feel, because even though it's been a bit since that separation, uh, which was needed and, you know, definitely would have not been an optimal situation for my son as he grows, just like you can see with these characters in this movie, those two people needed to separate. I mean, I don't think anybody would really argue that. Um, They're both. What about the burgers? Come on. He made burgers. He did make burgers. He was making burgers. Yeah, exactly. It took her having pneumonia and he fucking remembers it like it was a (laughs) store. Oh, shit. Yes. Yeah. But those two people are mentally ill, very clearly. Um, wow. You know, and, and should, in my opinion, I'll give that. You know, in my opinion, like, Bold. shouldn't even be in Bold. relationship, you know? <gasps> um, so, and I, I think that's a problem, actually, like, in a bigger commentary on, like, a lot of people in this country today is a lot of people are in these relationships, and it's like, dude, you're fucked up. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, <laughs> you, you, you are not a secure individual. You are not somebody who has any kind of independence. You're completely codependent on your partner. And, um, you know, you're doing it all for the likes. And it's just yeah. uh, that, that's what I see. And maybe that's just kind of a bitter take. I can Trust appreciate me. that comment, man, uh, especially yeah. when you get into your middle ages, yeah. uh, you, you, in, into middle age. You you received Jesus. from a, clearly you received you received from who you were when you were in your twenties, but you also start to meet people that are more like you or even akin to you in how you are than you were when you got married, and that's a fundamental and that's a fundamental choice you made 
maybe 10, 15 years ago. So I look at this relationship between, you know, even Anna Paquin and Jeff. Oh, yeah, the student-teacher relationship. Or even fucking Billy Baldwin with Laura Linney. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that no one deserves to be with another person. I'm just saying that uh, personalities evolve, and you're not always going to be right for the person that you're with. And that's something that needs to be dealt with. And if it isn't dealt with properly, it's a fucking gigantic problem, obviously. Or another take on this is do whatever the fuck you want. But if you have children, <laughs> maybe don't tell them every aspect of your sex life. Well, where that's you the fuck thing. who where, you know, like that's the thing. Children. These people think that that is helping these children. OK, so it's apparently yeah, they think by being honest, I, I would agree. Yeah, there's right. probably some truth to that. Um, the 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 narcissism. Oh, Kanye of, West. Of Kanye West. Yeah. Kanye West. Legendary, legendary Grammy award-winning performer Kanye West. We appreciate your comment. And Travis, my, you have a fad. You have an admirer. Josh Blair loves friend, you. Yeah. yeah, my friend Josh. Josh says he loves hearing the rich, dulcet tones of my voice. Thank you, Josh. You are competing with Brian. I Seward, really appreciate that. Is uh, the Barry White of podcasting? Oh. <laughs> Man, I I don't know. I actually agree. I like Travis's voice a lot. Whenever we did. Uh, <laughs> Your episode of what this song means to me, I, I yeah, I'm a fan, a fan of. Dude, the I, I've stuff. got to tell you, like, I'm starting to have extreme anxiety about doing that. <laughs> Are you? I think a lot of people um, probably do. Yeah. Yeah, like it's the most uh, personal thing I've ever put out in my life, and uh, yeah. really. In your life, I, think I mean, so. you've well, done a lot I mean, of songwriting, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, mean, I, I did, but it was always like music. There's like this, there's this veneer between me, like you know, there's yeah. the song, there's the there's the coding of the lyrics, you know, like it's, it's been very personal. But um, hanging that out there was uh, like, yeah, it's starting, it's starting to creep up on me, like. Okay, it's gonna be out this Wednesday. No, fuck. Okay, all right. Wait, wait a week. Wait a week. It's gonna come out. Okay, okay. You can do this. Do you guys <laughs> want uh, you to know it's becoming a source of stress in my life? You, I would let you, you know, guys, in advance, so don't worry. Okay. <laughs> do you guys think that? Uh, I mean, for me, this is a kind of. I don't want to call it esoteric, but this is a a, a relationship and a familial unit that I have no actual relationship with which is a divorced family do you have to have that sort of experience in order to enjoy this film <laughs> no um <laughs> i think that, i think that having that experience would probably keep up it certainly keeps me from enjoying the film really okay. oh 100 I, I i would love for you to elaborate well first of all i because live to I live in utter bafflement of these descriptions of this movie is funny. Um, Brian, you talked about the first 30 seconds being hilarious. You guys have both used the words hilarious. This movie is fucking spike through my heart. I, I, yeah. it's, it's brutal. It hurts to watch this movie. There's nothing, nothing that I laughed at, except for that one part when the friend of, of Walt talks about how some girl uses her pussy muscles or something stupid like that. Like no understanding of how sex works. Yeah, they can blow your load like, in like oh, two yeah. seconds. Yeah, I, like I knew what he meant that. by that. Like when I'm he like, was saying that, I was like, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I'm there. like, this yeah. guy doesn't know what sex is. But that um, is so interesting, Travis. But no, yeah, I, 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 I'm like you described it as a dramedy, Mike. I'm like, where's the emedy? Like I don't, I don't, I don't oh get. My gosh. Nothing to me is funny about this whatsoever. This is okay, entirely nothing to you. interesting. I'm, I'm thinking you. 41 you lived through it i would have expected you to see the 
you know, levity, call it what you will, but do you really see this as just being painful and unfunny when it comes to these exchanges that are clearly trying to be quirky and do the whole Wes Anderson whip pan la 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 bullshit? It's just all too close to home. It's just like it's just like hmm. just brings up PTSD, man. Like I don't know what to tell yeah. you. Like there's nothing here, nothing here to delight me at all. It just brings me the fuck down. I think it depends maybe where you are. Uh, you know, I've I found some. No, I've, I felt like this all along. I, ne- like, I never thought it was funny back in the day either. No, I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm not oh, saying okay. you have uh, come to a new point. You're still in the same point. Or, or I won't even speak to your point. All I'll say for me is that uh. I have realized that my parents are just buffoons. They're just human beings. So I've, I've kind of come to realize they just don't. They didn't yeah. know what they're doing. They didn't I know think that, that's the whole point of the movie. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I forgave so. them a long fucking time ago, but it's still oh, just no, it's like not I, forgiveness either. Well, I it's understand just, as well, but I'm just saying that like, but like, I remember being both of those ages and dealing with that stuff. And I, and I dealt with it in ways similarly to the ways both of these, you know, these, Walt and Frank deal with it. There's a lot of similarity. Like it just hits home in a lot of, in a lot of ways for me. So I just, I just, I just can't find uh, yeah a lot of the, what okay. they go through in some of their scenes are really rough and tough and i agree and the frank stuff as eric pointed out i like how that was played and i also I like think it's kind of ridiculous dream. that yeah that was oh, yeah. Dream also, that comes up every dude, time the tangerine dream for every single one <laughs> in his segments is yeah. just so perfect it's, yeah, it's cool. i think it's perfect it's just i, I love tangerine and that and that yeah. goes along with what you said it's not played funny at all dream and dream? it doesn't seem funny you know no. yeah but yeah. he What's funny about this movie is that it's not supposed to be funny. It's unintended comedy. It's just the exactly. way Jeff Daniels delivers his lines yeah, is what's yeah. funny about it. That's Mike, all it is. It's you. not supposed to be funny. Dude, you nailed it. Like, like name one scene that is supposed to be funny. Um, Here, is it the line? Um, Let me see. Uh, Wait, wait, uh, where is it? Um, I don't want. Something about uh, she was really... Racy, the way she was exhibiting her cunt like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. It was about her cunt. Did you did you get it? It was about. Her- <laughs> I, I hated that scene. Imagine Don's dick in mom's mouth. Yeah, was that's that yeah. funny. Yeah, that was no. that was. Funny, I, I, wasn't it? <laughs> I couldn't, man. I you don't know, know. Well, you know fuck. the funniest line. It, one of the funniest lines I think Jeff Daniels says in the movie is, "I hear Blue Velvet's playing." Whenever <laughs> yeah, they're. Yeah. I would so rather be yeah. short, short circuit. Well, hey, yeah, with your teenage son and his girlfriend. Yeah, let's go see Blue Velvet. I heard yeah. it. if you're gonna if you're He's gonna join your prick. son and his uh, and his date on on a nice night alone together, might as well yeah. check out Blue Velvet. I mean, the oh, guy is such the a worst. When he, oh, the worst is when he takes That's her money right. without even he doesn't even look up. He just takes her money. Yeah, isn't that yeah. the best part? Oh, I think we might all agree on this. It, Jeff Daniels' character is the biggest prick of all these fools. He's the biggest oh, asshole. Yeah. I know Laura Linney's, Laura Linney's got issues, but they're not nearly not as prickish like and cold-hearted as the father. She yeah, seems it's, more it's regretful you... of her... Uh, I'm sorry, Travis, but she seems a little bit more, you know, not regretful, but introspective. a little more dis- despondent or introspective about what she's doing to her children, whereas Jeff Daniels yeah. is completely the opposite. And it's really easy to forgive her as a viewer for cheating on this guy. Cause it's like, how could you not, how, how could you even spend a day with this person? I can't imagine being next to this guy yeah. on the plane. Right. Could break off the relationship right. earlier, but yeah, I'm not you saying know, she shouldn't you... have broken it up. I'm not, I'm not saying it's cool to cheat on your partner. I'm just saying I don't blame her for it. 
to give you a little bit of a, a different view, because like, yeah, no doubt about it. Jeff Daniels takes the cake for being like the asshole of the movie. But like, I knew that so much that when I went back and watched it, that was so in the forefront of my mind that I was like, man, Laura Lenny really does some shitty stuff here. I'm not talking about the cheating. I'm talking about like um, justifying to Walt, like, well, I mean, aren't all the other kids' parents at your school divorced? Like she says something yeah. like that to him. And it's just, it's really shitty. And it's like, you're like a little kid too. Like you said, Mike, oh, yeah. it's like these people are just fucked up. You know, well, I think just... the shittiest, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I think, I think the shittiest thing she does is sleeping with Ivan. Like of all the fucking people in the world, you got to sleep with your yeah. son's fucking tennis coach. You know, he idolizes him. You know, yeah. that's going to fuck him up. It's okay. That's my brother. <laughs> hey, my yeah. brother. Good grip. My brother. Good casting with Billy Baldwin. There. I just banged Fuck your mom. Hey, brother. suck my dick, ass man. How you? That's funny. <laughs> suck my, suck dick, my dick, ass man. man. After he throws the ass ping pong battle, that it's was funny. okay. Yeah, that was Yay. okay. I'll give you that. Suck my dick, ass Travis. Man. Is, it's, it's a barrel of laughs now. <laughs> yeah, that's actually the second ass man of the film, though. So it, it is. That hard. Yeah, yeah. That's his go-to line. Two he loves three. ass man. Yeah, he's no Kramer, but ass man is. I'm gonna think about Frank for a long time, but you know what? Bernard is always looking for these ends. Only because ah. of what Jones says, because he wanted to pay less child support, and he's like, his fucking fillet of the neighborhood line I is love so that. funny. Oh my! God. I That's love it, man. Dude. And uh, I have an elegant house across the street. Like, talk <laughs> about, especially in an eighty-minute film, talk about encapsulating a character with such rich and minimal dialogue. I fucking applaud Noah Baumbach. Like it or leave it. For just writing characters so succinctly, which a lot of not a lot of people do. Yeah. yeah. For this 81 minute uh runtime though, like Mike, you seem surprised to learn that last night when you texted us because and you've seen this a few times, but you'd forgotten yeah. or didn't notice because the movie's emotional work, so it feels longer than it is. And I'm not and I'm not saying yeah. it's emotional work necessarily in a bad way. I'm just saying it's emotional work. Like I, I took a break halfway through and did some laundry, took my dogs out, got something to eat. Like I was happy to take that break halfway through. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. I, I like it always surprised me that it was 80 minutes because it feels like yeah, I feel like it's a two hour film. I feel like yeah. there's so much Dude, in it, you know. Brian, yeah. ap- I was in the theater. I, I, I remember being like, this is it. It's ending now. And why is it in? Is it ending only because Walt had this realization that, you know, call it what it is, is that his yeah. family are the people that he's been afraid of his whole life? What about uh, his younger brother? Okay. What yes. about the other yes. characters? You yes. spend so much time on these other people, but you film it in such a way that we're expecting to see a resolution, not yeah. only from Walt, but from everybody else. We don't I- get it. I can only assume the worst life possible for Frank. Obviously, Walt gets some sort of balance, but Frank is clearly fucked for life because he we, we don't get any resolution for him. I don't I know if that's true. I mean, he's he's pretty Go emotional ahead, when his you know when the so whatever the fake heart attack that Bernie has at the end of the movie. Ridiculous. And, you know, you see for the first time that Walt is unraveling. So I think it's far from certain for the first his, time. Yeah, the dude, the dude was smearing cum all he over cried. the place. Just, no, oh I'm talking God. about Walt. Oh, Walt, Walt, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, Walt but, for the first time, he <laughs> cries, and he's like, and now he, we just see him go see the therapist right before right. the end of the movie. So he's got a, so I don't know if it's so clear. I, mean, it would I be love obvious, that uh, scene, but oh, don't I, film your rough draft. Keep I, it going. We want to, you've already got us. You I know how to write. Found it. Keep going. I found it clear because, like, he, 
he goes there to look at like I mean it's not just that he goes to look at the um at the diorama of of, of uh the squid and the whale it's yeah. that his father asks him to stay and he runs off without telling him without saying goodbye um so I think that's very much about like him acknowledging something like like forgiving his mother in his head and like kind of like um yeah uh, like because like he talks about how like you know like he, I mean like he can't even remember like anything else really about his father like other than like the the shit that he parrots that from him you know um so to me like I minor think it's pretty, Dickens it's minor Dickens oh that, that minor the, yeah minor, minor Fitzgerald it's like that's a grueling <laughs> moment no exactly when he when it's clear he never read Metamorphosis that's like the most awkward moment and I really and awkward. I love how the like the three literary references are even references that we were smart. And like, well, well, we at least are, you know, right. recently there, are like the basic like uh, reading literature of one hundred and one. We're gonna seriously talk about this last scene because this says it all. So where are we at here? Why does he go to see this exhibit? I got like two different uh, viewpoints that I'd love to get into, but if you're gonna have an eighty-minute movie and it ends there just on Walt, which I think is a mistake. Yeah, I agree. You better dig into it. I don't like you know, the ending. I don't like it at all, honestly. So that's I, love, I, I actually I, I disagree. I, I actually like it. it a lot. Um, I, I like the ending a lot because it. Uh, now, I, now I'm with you. Like, I would like to know. I think maybe like is it just that Frank is too fucked up, and it's like, yeah, you guys are right. He's gonna be fucked up. We don't have anything for you here. But at least Walt was at a point where like he challenged his father in the hospital. You know, he realized like, okay, here's this guy ordering. Just the way that he even says it, like. Would you go get me a pillow, please? It's like, dude, fuck you. I am so sick of your shit. He tells him not to be difficult. That was the the nail. He's just so dismissive to the kid constantly. And even the way that Walt goes out and runs into the nurse and just says, hey, the man in that room would like to order some breakfast. You know, my dad, not my dad or anything like that. And it wasn't the blonde that he wanted either. That looked like Monica Vitti. Because because anytime anyone... Because anyone, anytime anyone is difficult, quote unquote, to either Walt or Bernard in this film, it's it's just because they're voicing how that how Bernard or Walt made them feel, yeah. And and, and the way to shut them down is like just don't be difficult. It's the Hall of Fame dismissive statement that you could ever say. I don't let's, think there's anything more dismissive you could say than that. Really. Well, let's not forget Walt said that to his, you know, would be girlfriend. So this is finally him realizing uh-huh. that he is becoming his father and everybody yeah uh you know not everybody if you didn't know your father but everybody has been in that situation where christ i'm my father i did it when i excuse me but i was hiding my drinking problem from my wife i did it i said my dad did this okay and i knew i was becoming my father so when that clicks and you see it in that beautiful scene with the hands that is the squid and the whale man the, the whale is clearly the father, the big hand, and then the fingers that are trying to pull away. That's the squid. He's saying to himself, this fight that I've been so afraid of my entire life, I'm fighting this battle. And he pulls away and he goes and he says, is this true or is this not true? It's so beautiful. Yeah, I love the ending because... Um... You know, the whole movie, Walt resents his mother so much. And his dad is like this pariah and everything to him. And, you know, I don't know. um, This is just purely a statement. This isn't some kind of like, this is what it means or whatever. But like, Travis, like you gave the, you you talked about how you don't find anything in this film funny because your experience. And I, I totally get that and respect that. And 
one reason that the ending is really significant to me and I, I, you know, and it makes a lot of sense to me is because, so my mother and I aren't like estranged or anything like that by any means. Um, frankly, she, you know, helps me out a lot when it comes to my son and is there for me and stuff. But like, um, we have never really had an understanding. She doesn't really know, Mike, you and I have talked about this personally, actually. Like she doesn't really know, um, for my sister and I, uh, you know, what it is that we really do or what our interests are. She's just kind of, uh, I don't even know. I, I I don't want to go too down that road, but anyway, my mom and I don't have much of a connection, but when Walt is talking in that therapy session about him and his mom, when he was six years old, Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Dude. It it resonated with me so much because I was like a little kid and it was me and my mom at home. And I remember we would make like a chef Boyardee pizza together in the kitchen like every weekday while my dad was at work and i mean my dad was there i mean he just got home later but like um yeah i was that like toddler hanging out with my mom all day and it's like i haven't looked at my mom in that way or had a relationship like that with my mom man probably since i was 13 years old i mean it's been a really long time and um there's been a lot of reasons for that and a lot of things that have happened that i heavily disagreed with how she handled things with me growing up and it's just yeah that that's why that wall thing resonates with me so much because it's like man there was a time where like you know my mom and i were like buddies kind of you know i think that's one of the beautiful things that this brian i'm sorry to cut you off one of the things this movie does it it respects its its characters in terms of where they are in their relationships. You know how Walt feels about his mother. You know how Frank feels about his dad. And they get into them. Each scene builds on one another to give you a glimpse. All right, Not a picture. It's not saying, hey, isn't this the right way? But it tells you this family feels like that. I, I Man, I'm telling you the writing is superb in my opinion. One of the things I thought was really uh, authentic more so to the time period than even the Burger King glassware um, was how much time. Oh yeah. We had a lot of McDonald's personally, but, but every house had (laughs) fast food glassware. Um, But to me, the most true thing about the era is the amount of time that these kids clearly spend alone Um, for me. And for a lot of people I know and talk to, um, even if, even from families that weren't divorced families, like something about the era, like kids were just left alone a lot and there's like a reference in this movie where um where jones says that bernard left uh frank alone for like three fucking days and he's like 10 years old or some shit yeah um, yep and like i buy it i mean I, my parents never left me for three days but 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 still like we, i spent a lot of time alone too much time alone and most people i know did and i thought that was uh very true but also it made me uncomfortable in some ways, just like, uh, it, you know, brought me, you know, remind me of shit. I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about for good reason. Yeah. One you time know, I, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Mike. I just had a follow up for what Travis said, just about the low. We'll follow that up. Then I'll see it. Go ahead. It's real quick. Just, um, there's a very, I mean, it's, it's like a heartbreaking and I think they knew it was heartbreaking. So they only did it for a couple seconds, but when they first get into the, uh, fillet of the neighborhood, um, into Jeff Daniels home, <laughs> And um, Frank is presented with a lefty desk because, yep. yep. you know, and the, dad, doesn't scene, even know, dad doesn't know him at all. Yeah. Well, that and him just sitting alone on it with his head down for a second. They, they just yeah, show they, him like, oh, man, it, it, it was yeah. for me. 
You always pick too much. Loved it. Yeah. Dude, thank you, Brian. Yeah, that shot seems thrown in there. It's only like five, it's like three seconds. Like, oh, here's a quick it's shot because it's after. Anything. One turtle would have made a difference when they're beating each other with the, That was so reminiscent too. Two brothers beating each other with boxing gloves. They have nothing else <laughs> yeah. to do in this house because there's nothing there. Yeah. And then they just end up beating on each other and arguing and hurting each other. Well, dude, so typical. Mike, but then they're both defending the other parents. Mike, you're gonna tell my story. story. Yeah, my bad. No, oh, go ahead. I, it doesn't matter. It was a personal well, story. I'm the point is, myself, yes, everyone's alone. Like, I I cannot imagine. Having this like uber literate and intellectually domineering father and this pressure and this expectation on my own intelligence and whether or not that would absolutely like, uh, ha- uh, like, I, 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 I don't, I'm not sure about like your guys' upbringing, but like, uh, like the, the, the stuff that they're saying about how the parents treat their kids. We haven't seen this in a lot of films, period. Especially a lot of divorce films. Kramer versus Kramer. Fucking big divorce film is like Mrs. Doubtfire, which I love. But, like, no one has the balls to talk about what really happens when these kids are expected to have people that they rely on and maybe even um, try to become separate. They emulate, yeah. Walt clearly emulates his father for the time being. He, she's like, even says it. Uh, Laura Lee's character, Joan, says, "You sound just like your father. You're being a shit, Walt." You know, it's, she starts yelling at him like it's a fucking ex-husband. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Mike, but is it insightful? And is it giving you what what a movie should do? Is be like, hey, think about it this way, or is it just a facsimile of your? possibly own life which makes it possibly unentertain un, unentertaining you can be I've truthful and, it, and, i mean does it have to be one or the other and entertaining no i don't think it does yeah i guess yeah, not i, I, I think might, that might be it's... the question but this is not an autobiographical tale. We should make that clear too. And a lot of people think Semi, it is, right? Semi-autobiographical. It's it's some things in it, but it's very much. He literally said his own parents saw this movie, and his own father rooted for Walt to leave the hospital room at the end. That's a quote from Bombback. So, yeah. uh, so there's some truth in here, but it's very. It's not a literal translation by any type of stretch. So what's the opinion, point? What, what is it telling about. its audience? Why do we watch this? What do we get from it? What do you mean? What's the point? What's the point of any piece of art? What? What? Do you, <laughs> well, it's, it's subjective. <laughs> what, are you, what, are, what are these questions? <laughs> it's a he shared a piece of he, he. It's certainly some personal stuff, yes, but it's not like shot for shot. Like, oh, this happened, this happened. But Jeff Daniels yeah, does true, wear his father's clothes in this. That's a fact, which is cool. Is and wow. I love. We haven't mentioned this. I you mentioned with the glass, the fast food glass. But this does a really good job of transporting me. I think that's one of the reasons I like this movie too. Is that growing up and born in 1980, living as a child in the 80s, it's so uh, 80s to me. This movie why, seems Mike. Why is it? A, I'm sorry, but again, but why is it a period piece? Just so Noah Bombeck can be like, hey, it's about me. No, uh, because that's when he grew up and he wanted to go back to the 80s. I guess I don't know the exact reason why. It's but It's not about his prob- own life. Why is this a period piece? No, 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 no. It's not word for word. Versus how familiar relationships are supposed to be in 2005. It's not a word for word detailing of his own life. It's a, 
you know, a mirage mixed in with some truth and then some, obviously, some stuff to spice it up. It's not just one literal offering of what happened to him. Yes, he lived in Park Slope in Brooklyn in the 80s. That's true. And he had parents that got divorced. That's true. But we don't necessarily know that his <laughs> his brother did wipe cum all over the place. We don't know if that is true. Other than why that, it, why more, other than why is why why what is this question? Why does it matter if it's a period? It's a super the dude, the prop master that had to find that burger cake cup is gonna be like, why is this <laughs> in the 80s? So this guy can tell his life story. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yes, I think it's pretty relevant. How much do you think the, the average viewer like how much do you think the average viewer picks up on some of those like some of that though? You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I don't know. I agree. I didn't find it super immersive at all. I, I didn't really I did. either. I, I didn't think like super. I mean, I clearly knew it wasn't like in the 2000s, but I, I mean, I didn't think of it as like super 80s necessarily. Or Could anything. it be, be a better yeah. film if you're going to tell it with the things that kids have to deal with nowadays when it comes to the divorce of a family? I think, the stuff, I, th I think Obvious. the stuff. I think the stuff. I think the stuff it's saying is pretty universal about divorce. I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. no. You know, this is the only movie you'll ever see a Pink Floyd song in. I can never think of any movie ever where Pink Floyd has licensed their music. I would love to hear the story behind that. Seriously, <laughs> really? it's, is there? I mean, what about I don't know. Uh, the Departed and Comfortably Numb? Yeah, but that was a cover. Oh, that's a know? cover. It's a cover. Oh, that is the Van yeah. Morrison covering it, isn't it? Yeah. Which is so really funny right. because Bombach apparently wanted the rights to um, Behind Blue Eyes by the Who. Oh, and the Who totally sold out. That makes sense, whole, too. And, and the Who didn't... The, the Who wouldn't give him the rights, so that he got the rights to fucking Pink Floyd instead. <laughs> so really this brings up an interesting like point. Later. <laughs> this brings up an interesting point that my sister and I have always talked about. Like, what the hell is this about? Why does nobody yeah. know Hey You by Pink Floyd in this movie? But they do. The parents well, don't. The parents or at least don't. they don't want to but, because they're clueless. But everybody but else knows. Is, I mean, this is a song that has been... <laughs> I mean, at that at the point, at, well, I don't know. I don't know what year that's actually supposed to be, but that came out in nineteen. It's supposed to be like eighty-five, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's mid eighties. A single on the radio. Uh, yeah, they 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 know, but what are you going to do? Be like, hey, kid, I, I watch you. I don't know you, but like, uh, you plagiarize that shit. Well, that's about that. Like, like the, the 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 thing that matters is why does uh, Walt pick it? I think right. he wants to be caught. I think he wants to be really? called out. Yeah, I think he wants to be called out on his shit. I think he knows he hasn't read the fucking books he's always preaching about. And I think that he and I think that he also thinks that people I think it's two things. I think he kind of wants to be caught. And also like his father, he thinks people are stupid and they're going to like like they're, they're going to just believe him. So I think that he feels like either way, it's a win. They're yeah. either going to be impressed or like maybe they, they call me out on my shit. Well, so if we I take about his word, he literally says in the movie that he thought he could have wrote it, so it's good enough. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think because, because he knows that uh, uh, his father won't know what it is and consider it minor rock, he <laughs> selects it for two reasons. Because of that reason, and because he is trying to fucking say something artistically, as artists do, they try to sit, speak some sort of truth from the, within themselves, He's not capable of that. He is a Philistine. So he says, I'm going to try to impress my family by saying something about something that I believe in, which is united we stand, divided we fall. He doesn't want, he sees what's going on between his parents. So he's trying to make a statement about his parents' relationship. Hey, you guys ever, you guys ever see that movie, The Mother and the Whore? No, I didn't. I never did. I saw the poster on the wall, though. And, is that uh, a subtle, is that a subtle move, putting the mother uh, in the whore? <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. 
All right. I know. Uh, yeah. Okay. I do know that Ely Nastasi was an asshole, though. That is true as a tennis player. A lot of oh, tennis yeah. references in this movie that are quite legit, uh, but not everybody would get that. It doesn't matter. But is this the worst fatherly advice ever? When he's asking, Walt's asking Bernard about, hey, what do you think of Sophie? And what do you think I should do with Sophie? Oh, it's some of the God. worst advice. You know, you should play yeah. the field. I wish you, I had slept no, with other women. He tells yeah. her to fuck her, then break up with her. Really? Is yeah, what at he least sleep her. with her once before, you know, try it oh. out. See if you like it. <laughs> So cruel. And this Walt's guy is too just... young. Yeah, Walt's too young for that kind of advice. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why, why would he? I mean, well, he didn't even. Advice. He's a virgin. Like, you know. And you know, technically, AIDS existed this time. I'm just throwing that out there. I know it doesn't matter, but I don't. It's just really fucking bad advice. It's god awful. It's some of the worst advice in some uh, Hall of Fame bad advice from parents in this movie. Yeah, but again, well, they both just like have no boundaries. They have fucking zero boundaries. No, they need more no. people in their life to talk to seriously, and so they but their their kids are around, so they talk. They overshare with their children instead. And to the kids' detriment, like it changes both of them to l- to learn this information about their parents and that they, you know, don't need to know. And not at that age. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's true. Uh, boy, so much to cover here. Uh, anything I gotta, else? Brian, I gotta ask you, you guys. Well, I, I want to ask you guys this because um, the other day when we were mentioning this on Twitter, a couple people commented about this, and it made me want to dive even deeper into it because I never really did, honestly. But the soundtrack of this movie um i went through and checked out everything that's played in it actually last night and i i have like a really huge appreciation for some of the tracks that they chose in this and i'll, I'll get to the uh the lou reed song at the end in a minute because i think that is four times a, eight is 32 not 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 that not, one. not that one. Oh, not that one okay <laughs> but uh and i i don't know how to pronounce his last name bert Janch or Jench um, is a lot mm-hmm. of the music that's played. They play there's like three or four songs by this guy, but there's a song called "The Courting Blues" that I would recommend checking out. They play it towards the beginning, and it's just got it's just him and an acoustic guitar, and it's real hollow and just. Oh, is that man. the picking? Is that the picking guitar line? Because that's beautiful. I really like I, that. It's I, kind yeah, of. It, it's towards the beginning. It's during a montage. Yeah. Um, you guys, clearly the musical highlight of this film is the little girl singing Curie by Mr. Mister. I mean, come on. I always oh. mix that up with Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> For some reason, I think of Napoleon Dynamite when I see that every time or I hear it. Is that <laughs> Just because the there's a talent show scene. in both movies. So. Like, why <laughs> is that uh, even in there? <laughs> it's just no. like, clearly, okay. he has the money. No musical accompaniment. No musical accompaniment. The film was yeah. shot in under a month. And he probably had like millions of dollars to be able to spell on the soundtrack. I and think the it's a, I think it's a choice. No, that's not to... true at all. They made this movie on a million and a half dollars. That's the budget. Wow. They probably twenty three mo- day shoot. Yeah. There must have been some real cheap um, salaries then from some of this. Some because there's some big acting, pretty big actors here that could have demanded a decent salary. But these songs, a lot of these songs would not have been cheap. Yeah, this is a Sundance movie too, so they probably oh okay, we're doing one of those things and. Jeff Daniels was doing more indie stuff by this time, too. So Mm -hmm. that makes sense. But it was very tightly, you know, reading about this movie and hearing what Bombac has to say, it it was very simple. A 23-day shoot, and they tried to keep it. They got a lot of favors with the brownstone that's used as the main family house was in an old neighborhood of his from a family friend that he knew as a kid. So he tried to mix some authentic stuff from his life, which I appreciate. But the music, as you said, Brian, I completely agree. Uh, it's kind of underrated. Like nobody ever really mentions. Hey, I really like that Squid and the Whale soundtrack. But I, I really enjoy almost everything that's used for any type of musical direction in this film. 
I think the timing of the Lou Reed song at the end is perfect because like it's right whenever Walt starts running pretty much and just like the violin at the beginning of that song. It's called uh oh uh, shoot, what can I think of the name of that? Street Hassle. It's like eleven minutes long and very weird. And believe it or not, Bruce Springsteen has a spoken word section on the track. Huh. I, I recommend checking it out. It's weird as hell if you've ever listened to Lou Reed, obviously. It's a uh, good song. It feels very Wes Anderson y, but it is a good song. Yeah. 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 It's well. It, you know, it, it, uh, it's produced like by it. Wes. It had some right. vibes for sure. You know, he yeah. had some input on that soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does fifteen dollars for parking in nineteen eighty six seem excessive? I know Walt's a cheap or uh, Bernard's a cheapskate, but holy shit, fifteen yeah. bucks for parking in nineteen eighty six? I'd be pissed yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only time you're like, okay. I agree with this guy. <laughs> you know, he also fired his agent because he said something disparaging oh. about the Knicks at a party. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a well, no, York Knicks. Actually, the lowest moment is probably um, Walt opening the door to to him manhandling oh, yeah. Lily saying, put me, put in, your me in your mouth. Put me in your mouth. And then he turns around and says, hey, oh, hi, uh, we'll hang doing? out. I'll be right down. <laughs> Dude, and even well, weirder than that, this is a more subtle one, but whenever yeah. Walt is in there with that chick and oh, they're kind of connecting yes. a little bit, he busts <laughs> her nose, she goes in to take a bath, and then yeah. Walt Walt and Bernard pass each other in the hallway. Yes. Awkward. Hey, and then oh. he taps on the door to go in. Oh, my God. So that is so fucked weird. up. And I really like that scene, though. That is... Some I don't know what other people think of it, but the fact that he smacks her in the head like that accidentally—that is so teenage awkward. I, I could totally yeah. buy that. I'm like this because she's yeah. like, well, like, she's supposed to be like 20, right? She's yeah, post high right. school, and this guy is he doesn't—he shouldn't be in there. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's—he's he's just staring at her thigh, and then he fucks up her nose. I felt so bad for the kid. Then he doesn't help for both her at all. all. <laughs> she just goes to the bathroom on her own, and he just stays in the other room. <laughs> he also yeah. steals that paper. Never when he says, "Oh, we're supposed to use the uh, paper." towels only for certain oh, things and when she puts it in the wastebasket he takes it out of the plastic bag and sticks it in his pocket that, that was really one of those moments i just couldn't laugh at i just couldn't no, it wasn't See, this is, right. I, I was just gonna ask you travis i'm like so that's one of those moments that like some people think is funny but i was gonna say is that one of those type of things that you you see the other way because of that oh yeah that hit way i too agree with travis home. there yeah like yeah because like living in my dad you know there's when you're living in a divorce household with two different worlds like that see that's why i i understand what you're saying travis a lot of that i had one set of rules in one house and a completely set of rules in the other house and yeah. at my dad's house you're walking on eggshells when at my mom's house it was a free-for-all where you would right. be left alone a lot right which was my a similar experience but at least my parents had the good sense to have me spend one week like uh, like, like the way we did it like we spent um eight months with my mom and then we would spend every other weekend at my dad's house during that time and then four months with my dad and every other weekend with my mom during that time so we so we didn't see as much wow. of them so we did it was, it was just kind of a weird arrangement but it's but like, that I is can, very unusual but i cannot begin to imagine going back and forth every fucking day like these two did like what chaos like that you would never feel settled you'd never feel like you were at home you'd always be in transport uh, that, that is also unusual chaotic I and think awful. yours and the movies are both very extreme uh unusual ones that i haven't heard of i mean to me the common was the every other weekend thing or at least every weekend that was kind of the, the thing i was most common to me growing up but you know in new york uh, i don't know it's, it's a different world they live in 
the other side of the park. It's not like the, my dad lived an hour away from my mom. <laughs> it was an hour drive each way, each time. And I always heard about the bitching about this drive an hour each way every time because we lived in Heartland. My dad lived in Detroit. <laughs> it was, I can't believe it. I can think, see him now in that fucking Mercury Cougar in 1992, just pissed while I'm kicking the back of his seat. <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> so pissed. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta imagine too the logistics of that and being in New York and everything and going back and forth constantly. I mean, that's gotta be a complete nightmare. But these people aren't poor either, so I don't feel like they don't look like they're struggling in real life at all either. Yeah, I mean, if that's one right. sense where like Bernard's bitching about money, like chill out, dude. If you had a super nice brownstone and you're still able to afford another place, although it looks like shit on inside, it is very spacious. So, yeah, there's a house in New York. Yeah, yeah, right in the city. So let me ask you guys this. I'm going over. I made some notes last night and, um, you know, I just a couple things that I just random things I wrote down. Mm -hmm. So we've we've talked a lot about the Frank weirdnesses as the movie has gone on. The cashew. What? Th th there's very many, obviously. Um, what what is the so he's very frequently in the mirror. Um, what yeah. is the one where he's going? No, Frank, no. Do you remember that? Like mm -hmm. he's yeah, yeah. in the mirror. What is that? I don't know what's going on there. It's just. I think that a lot of what's going on with all of those scenes is like he's discovering his sexuality, and it's completely in, in an isolated thing. Um, there's yeah. no one to talk to about it. There's no one to explain anything to him about it. And I think that he is like um, flirting with manhood with like the beers and stuff, and. Yeah. Um, and I think, and, and, and a lot of that I think is about him like becoming like comfortable with his body, but like the whole, like, I mean, that to me, that no, Frank, no, with that weird detachment, like, is that some sort of right. sexual fantasy happening there? He's I don't also know. drinking beer. He's being easily impacted by a single beer at 12 years yeah. old. With, yeah. Oh, so yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, who knows what's going on? In that yeah. Thing? I think yeah. it's, I think it's pretty obvious that they're, they're showing someone who's probably a little, younger than we were when we started to do this sort of stuff maybe 10 11 nope. i was literally 12 anyway, the first time I, was, I had a drink i was 12 yeah that's why i said 10 or 11 but anyway someone is probably 9 well, 10 Frank's or 12. 11 Frank's that 12. Is, that's why i said 9 10 or 11 anyway that, <laughs> that is doing this stuff because they have because they have no one to turn to and it, it's it is in my opinion, it's exemplifying the fact that the family is not there for them to talk to them. Yeah. So we need to see that he has no father, no mother, and no younger brother that he has to tell him, "Hey, this is what's going on with sex." And that's why those scenes are so heartbreaking to me. And God bless Noah Bombeck for not making them funny. But making them sincere, we all there's a lot of weird shit. Christ, well, I'm definitely not getting into it. But I, I love all those parts. I, I think it's pretty clear and obvious uh, that I'll, uh, everything I just said. Anyway, what else, Brian? What else on the notepad there? Uh, just another thing I had. This is um, let me see here. Uh, this is a little bit more. Um, oh, just something I wanted to share too. And um, you know, Eric, I, Eric, do you just have the baby, or do you have any other kids? It's just the baby. I'm doing, okay. I'm trying my best, but she's like crawling around. She's crying. Oh and no, I'm it's still, not about that. I'm, I'm still no, thinking no about the will. Everything's yet, fine. 
So and yet, I'm a little pissed, but um, no. We're, we're, <laughs> no, don't say that. No, no, no. You're my bad. No, I'm messing with you. But like, um, no, something that, that it, so you may not have experienced this yet, but I can tell you now, like my son, it's about to be three. And, you know, at that point, obviously they're understanding stuff. We go on adventures together. We do all kinds of cool stuff. And um, I just keep going back to that, uh, the moment at the end where Walt's really kind of coming to, and he's in that therapy session and they're discussing his mom and stuff like that. And he mentions how his mother used to um, like recount what they did that day. Like they go to the museum and they would do this and then they would talk about everything or like she'd tell him a bedtime story, but she'd describe every describe the squid and the whale in a way that it wasn't as scary and stuff with my son. When I put him to bed, um, every night, especially on weekends, whenever we go out and have a great adventure, whether it's, I just took him to like an alpaca farm last weekend and we're feeding alpacas together. And, you know, there's going to be all kinds of like fall Halloween stuff and everything this month, but like just putting him to bed. And I like to tell him a story and I'll talk about our day with him. Like, Hey, what did we do today? And he'll tell me and everything. And then I tell him a story and I was like, did you like that story? And I'll always be like, yeah. And I'm like, what was it about? He'll just go, I don't know. Even though he just, <laughs> you know, listen to it and everything. But, but man, I'm telling you, like, I do think as, as shitty as Lori Linney does kind of become, you know, as the kids grow older and stuff like that, that is a big thing. And like, that's something that I just naturally, like as a father, try to give my son. And I think it's so important to like create these little journals in their mind or these little reels, you know, of like, there's something about when you're just with your kid, like just you and your kid, maybe not even the other parent, like me being able to bond with him and share an experience all day long that, you know, we'll remember forever. And then just recounting it later. I just thought it was like beautiful how he talked about that because it reminded me so much of me and my son right now. So yeah, just something I uh, caught there that was really authentic. That's a beautiful point. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. He said though that they were pals. They used to be pals, and he really missed that. That was very yeah. clear to him. And but also going into that, he's like, <laughs> Bernard says this is funny to me. Yeah, he'll probably have like a BA in psychology. <laughs> that really comes to him. Oh, I went to BA. Yale. I have a yeah. I have a he's master's. A, MA. Ken Lee. Minor, yeah. Minor Fitzgerald. Yeah, Walt tries to like be his father for a second with that psychologist. Like, oh, oh so you don't have a. PhD. He's like, no, I have a master's, Walt. And then after that, the guard slowly <laughs> lets down. So that's funny in that exchange, but you're right. I'm that's sorry, really beautiful. But that's, that's one of my problems. Like, if you're gonna try to educate your shit going on this road, might as well. If you're gonna get wet, you might as well, might as well go swimming. If you're gonna educate yourself on someone like F. Scott Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald, don't say, hey, read the great Gatsby. Teach them to understand why it's important. We have uh, Walt who just knows Fitzgerald's name and he understands that Kafka is like something that's a genre. Oh, it's Kafka esque. But, but he doesn't understand what this means. So, like, the weird thing. Do you have about a weak this... handshake? Maybe it's because he has a weak handshake. <laughs> or, or, or maybe it's because the guy's hands are too big, which he says. Like, you got Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, you really want to do it, don't you? What an asshole. God, he, oh, I feel yeah. bad for him. His own father just turned him and into an asshole at such a young age. Was, Sophie was a great girl, too. Like, was Sophie oh not God. very... I, I felt so bad for her. She was, she was, you know, maybe she was a little wee bit plain, 
But she seemed like a cool girl. I think she would have really. Been I, don't cool. even, I don't even think she's plain. She's she's like a redhead. She's she looks like his mother. She's cute, and and plain. he. All right. <laughs> but like he pops off early. She's totally fucking cool about it, and he's asking about Nelson Barton. Like what? Yeah, the like, shut up, dude. <laughs> I mean, My just God. every every step of the way, he's just undermining her, <sighs> and like she's being cool, and he is being a fucking prick. And thank God for her, she finally is like, I'm out. This is bullshit. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Alexandra Daddario. Did you guys catch her real quick in the background no, there after the dude, Hey You I, performance? I would have remembered that. I absolutely a very young that. Alexandra Daddario. I'm pretty sure it's her. She walks by and Walt gives a glance to each other after the Hey You performance. Yeah, I saw that. When, Who's uh, Alexandra Daddario? I don't know who that is. Beautiful blue eyes. She was legendary she for actor, her. Uh, she, was like, one, she was in scene one. She was in series one, scene one, season one of the True Detective show. She played Willie Harrelson's. Beautiful. Like mistress. Oh, the, the, the mistress oh, from that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah. a very yeah. She like looks very, very talented. Down. Yeah, gorgeous very talented. woman. Yes, no doubt about it. But but that's Great not. Actor. I just noticed her in the background there, and then I also noticed how, <laughs> you know, Joan does a really good job of trying to tell Walt. Like, she actually tries there. It's one of the <sighs> best efforts on the parents, which is not a lot. But yeah, come like, on, I know you. Yeah, I know you hate me now, or you think you hate me now. But you don't, and yeah. then unfortunately she hits him, which kind of ruins that moment. Too, it goes so. a little south, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. I mean, like I'm going to state the obvious here, but good fucking god, Laura Linney's such a natural, believable actor. I mean, she's just everything she does is so effortless, man. It's just like you you buy it everything she does. Her and Daniels are ste so stellar in this, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But why yeah. doesn't she get like the final scene or like a, a good scene that could tell us something about the Walton and her relationship? Why is we already covered this. You said you were cool with it. You love the ending. Also, why doesn't someone with a PhD in literature know how to spell or know how to pronounce Knopf uh, Publishing? What's up with that? <laughs> Come on, he's gonna put it out. I'm like, you know better than that. You're way Come off on. base, Travis. You're way, oh, off, way off base. Yeah, I'm being difficult, man. Uh, <laughs> holy crap! I mean, we are running a longer yeah, episode, maybe ever here. Fuck, we should, we probably should get to the end of it. Uh, last chance, Brian. Was there anything else we didn't cover before we close this out, Brian? Last man, oh, boy. I, I think I, I think we hit it all. I just, I mean, yeah, there. I, I definitely, definitely get where somebody like Travis is coming from with like not finding <sighs> the humor in it, and frankly, finding it to be too difficult of a watch because sometimes it even is for me like we all said i mean it's an 81 minute film but it feels double that to me so um okay. i love it i think it'll forever hold a special place in my heart i think it's like super authentic and uh you know short sweet and to the point and just gets every really i feel like i know every character fairly damn well by the end of the movie and uh it's just it's real and that's really what i look for so that's why i love the movie so it holds up to me it holds up okay there it is brian leads us off uh travis let's go over to you next because i'm not really sure where you come out on this i'd be curious um i like that there are finally moments where um walt opens up enough to his mother where he lets him parent her a little bit and he says you know, I, I, like we're talking about the relationship that he's ended with sophie and how he's upset about it he's like i don't see myself like this and she's like well this is how it is uh, I thought that was a powerful moment, and I think that there's the movie's chock full of po powerful moments like this. I mean, it's a it's a very true film. Um, no one could argue that there's not uh, this this film smacks of authenticity. I don't know that it's the best period piece by any stretch, but it does smack as oh, I mean, it just I mean, it doesn't. I mean, it, it doesn't feel like that to me. Um, but 
as far as um, the authenticity of the story being told, uh, absolutely. It's an incredibly raw look at a rare thing shown on film, but extremely common in everyday life. Um, you know, children dealing with divorce. That all being said, um, I would put this in the memento class. This is something that everyone should watch, but once you've seen it, I don't think you need to go back. Um, I, 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 like when I, like when it was, this was announced last week, I was like, oh, fuck. And I went to go sit down last night to watch it. I was like, oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> I was not thrilled. And, uh, and my feelings were pretty much confirmed. Like it just felt, it was, it's hard. I think it's a hard watch. I don't, I don't get, I don't get enjoyment from it. I don't think every film should be watched for enjoyment. Um, but if, if you've seen this before and it, it emotionally resonated with you, I don't know that you, that you're going to get a ton more from going back and watch it again. So I'm going to say it doesn't hold up. Okay, then. Uh, all right. Uh, well, I'll go next. Uh, this is a film, and you know that already. Mm. By the way, in the same... Penetrating insight. <laughs> yeah. The, the same scene that you just mentioned, Travis, where this is how it is. She also starts to go off on, uh, you know, making love in the stock room at the bookstore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, I don't want to hear about this. My mom, you have a really, really bad habit of saying things in a way that people don't want to hear them. <laughs> and she's like, I know. And she admits that. I don't know if, well, you know, Bernard would ever admit anything like no. that. Yeah, never. So, you know, but it's not about comparing the characters to, I mean, we can do that. But for me, it's just about going into this realm. And since it's so quick, you know, I think it's an easy watch for uh, people who might not be triggered by some of the stuff in this film. And you know, I could be easily triggered by it. I think about how these people lived and how I lived my own life. And I would be lying if I said it wasn't very much a part of, like, my own experience was wrapped up in this film. So, but that's what you do with film. You know, you get attracted to stuff that you connect with. For whatever reason it is, whether it reminds you of your own life or if it reminds you even of an experience you had once. You know, you watch 127 hours because you went hiking once. I don't know. It's just you know, it's random people do. So uh, I would say the movie holds up because I see it from a perspective of fallible human beings doing fallible things. And we all know a comedy at its base is, you know, you're you're laughing while other people are uncomfortable or going through something that isn't enjoyable. So there is comedic elements in this film that still laughed at last night. And uh, I think it's a, I think it's something that if you watch it and you don't get it, you should ask some of the people in your life, like, Hey, if they got it or they liked it, why is that? And you might learn a lot. So uh, I think it's a good jumping off point to learn about people in your life or other experiences that people have. But at the same time, I could see why you'd, some people be like, uh, why would I want to sit down and go through this? This is just torture. I do get that. But for me, it holds up. All right. And it sounds like Eric is back just in time to tell us what he thinks. Eric, do you think the film holds up? What did Mike say again? <laughs> <laughs> we know Mike loves this film, man. There's no question about it. I, I haven't watched this in, Christ, 16 years? I look at it now, Yes. It'd be easy to dismiss this as like an esoteric thing about whether you have a divorced family or not, you may not like it. I look at what the filmmaker is trying to say. Noah Baumbach is saying, this is what I may 
you know, regardless of whether it's not his own story or not, he's saying, this is a family. Did I do my job and what I tried to achieve and make it interesting and engaging? Did I do justice to my characters? <laughs> Absolutely. This is one of the best scripts I've seen in in the 20, um, in this, what do we call this new century? Yeah. I think it's the 21st. 20, 21st yeah. century? This is 21st century. COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no shit, Brian. I'm sorry. In my opinion, this is one of the best scripts of the 21st century because it's clipped. It's so purposeful. And it, it and it's so fucking honest. Um, I it just does so much so many things that movies before it didn't do. In Kramer's first Kramer versus Kramer, or or other movies that handled divorce, they did it in such a Hollywood bullshit way. They didn't yeah. offer anything to children that were suffering from divorce. So if you can watch this as a kid and get something from it, meaning you're not alone. Like uh, uh, this, this happens, and do it in a way that's fun, insightful, or or or, or you know, in any type of way, it absolutely holds up, man. I give it a huge recommendation. I think it's one of the best movies so far of the 21st century. Period. Wow! Holy shit! Well, now we're in. Uh, Travis, by the way, it's fun. He Dude, said it was fun. He said so, it was fu- a yeah. fun flick. Yeah, fun <laughs> film. Yeah, like so, dirt. Yeah. I yeah, like Joe Dirt. Too. Yeah, like Joe Dirt. Uh, and we'll say this. We did cover it, I guess, ever so briefly. But yes, we've had some movies where we've literally said, wow, we need to cut a half hour to this movie. There's none of that. Purposeful, you're right. Every scene, just boom, boom, boom. That what about that uh, rumored three and a half hour cut of this? Would you guys be down for that? Oh, wow. I haven't heard I'm totally that. fucking kidding. That doesn't sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> think I would be down for that. No. Three yeah, and a half hours of, of, of this a family? Fuck, so. <laughs> What can I tell you? I like shit like that. So, well, Brian, uh, you know, you should be proud of yourself. You brought to the forefront a lot of uh, fascinating conversation. So, you know, kudos to you and being definitely one of the best guests we've had so far. You should take pride in that. And uh, I'm glad you chose this movie because yeah, thank you very I mean, much. I've Brian. always wanted to talk about it in this realm. So, thank you. You don't say. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. And yeah, I think it, uh, you know, evident as, you know, we all went into discussions kind of about our own families and stuff like that. I mean, it, it lends itself to a bigger conversation yeah. about, you know, what, what it is all about. It's not just the movie. So I think there's just so many, I mean, we even talked about like current day social dynamics, like as a result of this movie and stuff and relationships and stuff. So um, again, really appreciate you guys having me on and I'm glad we got to talk about it. It was a great conversation. That's a good point. Yeah, kudos Thank to you, you sir. Thank you so much. Follow Brian on Twitter. Follow Brian everywhere Absolutely. at Brian J. Seymour. Don't forget what this means to me is a great podcast, and he does other work in fantasy baseball. If you're into that, you can awesome find him. Podcast. Yeah, he'll help you out. Uh, so we're uh, we're moving over to Eric Branstrom. Is that correct? Yeah, but or before we, we do, before we do, Eric's next. But real quick, before before we, uh, Eric tells us what his choice is for next week, a reminder, or I guess actually a, a, an announcement. Uh, to anyone that's listening, we're going to do listener's choice again um, yeah. in a couple weeks. Um, the next week will be Eric's choice. Um, and then the following week will be Mike's choice. But on the 15th of October, if you're listening in real time, um, just get in touch with us uh, through any, you know, email us or whatever website, you know, whatever social media. And everybody gets one choice. Uh, you know, any choice you want, just send it on to us. We're going to pick. On the 15th, the episode of the 15th, we're going to, no, 
yeah, the episode of the 15th or the 14th, rather, uh, we are going to pick whatever our listeners choice is going to be. So we'll take all of the options that everyone sends us. Hopefully we get a lot of suggestions and we'll put them all together and we'll randomize it and we'll choose it live on the 14th. So, so just email us or message us between now and the 14th with your choice. I just realized I'm going to be in Arizona. So I didn't re- I just spent, I just realized oh. that now. So oh. I'm not going to be available for that one. Uh, so you guys might Way have to, to sub me in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up maybe a, uh, no, I guess I mean, so after all. The, yeah. The week of the 15th, I'll, I'll be in Arizona the 13th through 17th. So oh. or 18th. So. All right. Well, never mind. we'll talk about that later. I just realized that though. So, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. That's gonna be awesome though. We love listeners choice. Share it. It's also October. So, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see some people put in some horror choices and I'm sure, yeah. hell, I don't know if Eric's going to yeah, do it Mike. right now because on, our man. next episode's in October. It's One month of the a... year. Come on, man. You gotta give it up. <laughs> Dude, my, All right, Eric, give it to us. Tomorrow is October 1st, man. I got my apple cinnamon and pumpkin candles. They're lit right now. My whole house smells like fucking Halloween. I love it so much. And You're I so cannot basic. wait. <laughs> no, I'm not basic. Excuse me, Brian, but I'm not basic. We are getting down to the nitty gritty, man. My fog machine's even on. I don't even know how the fuck I'm paying for this fog. But where, where is your baby? Motor? She's lost <laughs> the fog. I have no, I have no idea. But my fog machine is turned on, and we're next week. Excuse me, but your excuse. I don't know if I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say we're going to horror, but we're definitely going to psychological horror before hereditary. And before all this grief horror shit, we had one of the all-time greatest psychological horror films that's ever been made. And I haven't seen the goddamn thing in 25 years, at least. So it's time to look back at 1990. Man, Adrian Lin is a is a filmmaker we haven't talked a lot about, dude. Wow. Nine and a half weeks is, is seriously fucking good. And if you haven't seen this film, it's time to take another look, man, because... There's so many levels there, man. It's so complex. Jacob's Ladder from 1990, dude. Wow. That's yeah. it. All right. Not doing that remake. I'm never going to watch that remake, I don't think. But uh, I'm I, I'm, to We're going to completely it. assume that that never even happened. <laughs> but the original, Christ on crutches. All right. Interesting yeah. choice. I second the Christ on crutches, yeah. <laughs> you seen that movie, Brian? Yo, yes. Phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, I've never seen it. So uh, it's like getting mind fucked by the film Altered States. Like it's just if that's if that was fucking your brain, that's Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> yeah, I don't let people talk about it, man. But whoa, I've heard I the title, know. and yeah, I've heard the title a billion times. I've just never seen it. So cool, yeah. Well, Tim, I'm Tim Robbins to see this one. So Tim yeah. Robbins. I thought yeah. we were going with the Candyman there for a minute. So yeah. <laughs> come on, dude. Come on. Oh, okay. Well, it's a classic. Well, yeah, it is a is classic, it isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. That's not what this show's about. We're done. Uh, Brian, I love you, man. I really like to have you on the show. Brian's Dude, a really cool you. guy. Oh, He's thanks, an authentic, yeah, awesome you guys. human it. being. So, Brian Seymour, thank you for being with us. We'll catch you guys next week on the Cinema Nine Podcast. Suck my dick, ass man. <laughs> <laughs>